Hello, and welcome back to OP is OP, the podcast where we go through the One Piece manga front to back. I am Bloodborne the Hedgehog, and as always, the super rookie Jacob, joined by my co-host, the one-legged gladiator and super veteran, Justin. What's up, listeners? Welcome to Dress Rosa, beginning at chapter 700, and not ending until 801, but today, mostly, we're going to be discussing the first half, which we're going to cut off at 758. That's the Which, goal. I'll say right now, before I say this, it if you guys are not all the way through the arc, probably want to be so, because we might jump past 758 a little bit at any point, So, and we're going to be spoiling the whole arc. It could happen at any time, so be aware. Speaking of spoilers, I think it is very strange to get such whiplash jumping from Punk Hazard to this, because I feel like we went from a bottom three arc to a top three arc <laughs> in the span of a few pages. Yeah, (laughs) that's fair. Because, and I'm sorry for shitting on Punk Hazard again, but holy shit, we go from, like I said, a bottom three to a top tier, because this feels like Alabasta 2.0, but enough in its own way to feel unique at the same time, and even better at the end of the day, because holy shit, you managed to outdo Crocodile with Doflamingo. Holy shit. <laughs> but not to mention just like the action in terms of like choreography, paneling, flow, oh, impact. So oh. fucking good. Yeah. Like, I'm not just, I'm not even the action like, guy. You're the action guy. I'm not. Yeah, I, I do like me some good action, and this arc really does bring it. Just, oh the big Yeah, it's insane. We'll the biggest we'll hits. The biggest hits. And any complaints or nitpicks I have are honestly purely aesthetic or personal preference from like first impressions we'll get there when we get there but honestly they're so fucking minor like they're almost not worth mentioning but me being me i have to bring it up but of course yeah dress rosa yeah dress rosa like i'm just gonna say it right off the bat top three for me personally not not better than arlong park or water seven total but like good number three right because again that's high i like characterization this arc doesn't have that much of it but and i mean dofi is definitely like a top three villain oh no dofi is number one (laughs) right yeah he's like he's kind of a top easy yeah like blackbeard can easily usurp this in the future because i have expectations for blackbeard but as of right now doflamingo is just like we're just i'm not gonna be around the bush here number one fucking cunt in the fucking one piece universe by fucking far no competition (laughs) this guy wins it all all right so that's spoilers out of the way that is fair (laughs) I don't disagree either. I don't. I don't. Can't disagree with that. Yeah. What do you get? All right. So right, we start off. We see the entire world basically in disarray. Right. We see the islands connected to Dressrosa, part of that underworld black market of um, Doflamingo announcing he left the warlords. That they're going. What the hell's going? What the hell's going on? Uh, real quick, we get to see Bonnie, that super rookie. She's still alive. She's in hiding though. Uh, we get confirmation that Buggy the clown the true clown is a new warlord of the sea and we're sailing on our way to dress Rosa and we get the confirmation that yeah, Kinemon, that samurai is still with them. He's looking for his friend Kanjiro and they're on the way to, uh, to dress Rosa right away. Uh, we cut to Doflamingo, right? We got to see the villain, right? What he's planning, what he's scheming. Great imagery off the top of the bat. You get that panel of Doflamingo, like, in the center of, like, the four chairs, shaped like, like, all the four types of hearts, right? Yeah. Club, spades, hearts, diamonds, and there's the Joker right in the middle with his deck. But the heart-shaped chair is empty. I wonder why. 
but <laughs> you get that great imagery right away of like like the motifs of the arc. Right? It's a it's a it's a stack of cards. And did you notice that the hard seat was empty? Like, or did you like really? Did I don't, it really I draw don't, your attention the first time I, through. I actually did because I wanted to see who the four uh, officers were, but then I yeah. saw there were only three officers. I, I like, assumed at the time he was like it was saving him for later, you know, like for a that's, secret. That was, but that was definitely a possibility. Yeah, like maybe the maybe the heart shaped officer was maybe uh, Monet or um, the 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 eating guy in Punk Hazard. Oh, Virgo, right. Yeah, it might have, maybe it was, was them. I don't know. But at the same time, I'm thinking, like, you wouldn't really show that without saying why, unless it was intentional. But either way, yeah, I did notice that. And the another big reveal that, by the way, Doflamingo has the Fire Fire Fruit, Ace's Origin of Power, and he's going to use that as bait to get Luffy in, where he wants him. So right away... Obviously, that obviously works, of course. <laughs> oh, obviously. Obviously. Like, even even if that wasn't associated with Ace, I'm still going... Dude, you 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 just don't want to go for that, dude. That that, that that's that's just fire. That's just really and it's honestly good. it's amazing how quickly the like the re the rebirthing of Devil Fruits became relevant right after we learned that that that's a thing at all. Absolutely, because you brought it up in the last episode of like that that zoom in on that fruit of like taking it back. And that's why the obviously now monster. you know. That's why I had to make and, yeah. sure that that was established. And, mm-hmm. and then here we get that confirmation that he hits it. So that, yeah, when the user dies, the nearest fruit gets that power again, that form. And right away as well, when we see that, you know, the officer is going like, you know, like Doflamingo, like what's going on. And right away, he seems like he's got a plan. He's still smiling. He's confident. That fucking vein bulging on his forehead the whole time, looking like that kid from that school meme, where he's just that pissed off kid, like just like turning red, angry the whole time. He just yeah, looks like to, that like, kid growing up. <laughs> yep. And right away, I'm just thinking like, oh, this guy is a schemer. This guy has a fucking plan all mapped out. It's not just this fruit. It doesn't stop and end here. He's got something cooked up. I didn't know what at this point, poor innocent me, but boy, he <laughs> had some plans up his slip for this, and not just here's a trap for their captain. Yeah, Dofi is conniving. He's a conniving son of a gun. Oh my god, yeah. Like, like he has some interesting fashion wear, but honestly, at the end of the day, it's like, dude, he can fucking wear whatever he wants, because that motherfucker... Oh, I think Dofi's just dripping. <laughs> you think the, the one the of the pink, most uh, dripped out characters in the whole series. Got that, the pink, uh, what's, what's it called? I think it is pink, right? That, the, the fluff that's around his neck? The scarf? What's he, what's that called? Mink? Oh no, I said, isn't it colored pink? Oh yeah, yeah, it's colored pink. Yeah, I, I was, I was say, asking. I don't know if that's mink or not. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't know what mink is. Mink is like, uh, I mean, it's like a more fluffy, not really feathery substance for clothes. But anyways, moving on. <laughs> yeah. Also, a slight another aesthetic notice is that Doflamingo's sunglasses, the shape of the glasses, they look like uh, flamingo beaks shaped upward. I, I think that's intentional or not. But either way, yeah. yeah. That's what I saw. Um, what do you think of Dress Rosa? When they land and you see that panel of the culture, the food, the soap opera femme fatales, the sentient toys, casinos, where does this rank for you as like best places to visit in One Ooh, Piece? As far as like location-wise? Because hmm. that first panel did a lot to entice me. It was just like... I agree. It did... It's beautiful. A little bit. Well, I mean, like, let's be honest, the fan service was probably a lot. I mean, come on, you're going to toss about the fan fatales, and then you show off them later on. It's just like... I mean, yeah, they've got, like... Be still, my beating heart. Know, they got a culture, <laughs> they got dancing girls in the street. That is mm-hmm. uh, alluring to myself yeah. as a traveler. Mm-hmm. You're just going, viva España, holy shit, except you're going, viva, <laughs> dress rosa. 
Um, I think this doesn't. This is not better than Water Seven because Water Seven you had that like the whole buildup of like chapter by chapter you're going further and further in. You got that whole immersive like tour guide going on. But as little as we focus on like the culture aspect of Just Rosa, I'm still going. I really wouldn't mind visiting this place. This seems like a very chill port if it weren't for the, uh, the honestly, criminal underground. For... For the, like you said, for the locale, really not mattering at all. It's just nice to have all that effort put into to giving it its own unique look and feel. Mm-hmm. And Oda did confirm in the Q&A in one of the, in the chapters that this is inspired mainly by Spain, with a little bit of Greek thrown in there. Uh, yeah, that because we all definitely needed him <laughs> to confirm that for us. Absolutely. Well... I'll be honest, I my dumbass brain, I did think Spain at first, but then I saw the Colosseum and I think, is this Italy, not Spain? But then he confirmed That's that. Fair. It, yeah, I mean, I think I even texted the, you. I mean, that is, like, that is definitely idio, it's idiosyncratic. The they're, they're, of that. It's like sub-Latin culture, they're kind of close to each other across the Mediterranean, so. But yeah, it think, doesn't quite sync up is what I'm trying to say, right? It's not quite right. Yeah, that's why that Colosseum threw me off. I thought it was Italy <laughs> after that. But he's like, no, that's an amphitheater from Greece. Although it's heavily inspired by the Colosseum in Italy. Regardless, welcome to Dressrosa. Viva Dressrosa. Yeah, um, so long story short, as we, we kind of already discussed, like as Dofi draws Luffy into the arena that we just brought up, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone else kind of gets split up, mainly Zoro, and who draws away Sanji, because Zoro's yeah. sword gets stolen by this uh, new race we're introduced to race species of fairies the, yeah the fairies dwarves uh tontadas right the tontada yeah tontada um interesting very interesting little creatures um i don't know how they sound in the actual version in the anime but when i'm reading their translations in my version they sound like elmer fudd from looney tunes because they're just like be very quiet i'm hunting dragons and i'm just like oh my god dude i know i'm supposed to have high-pitched like cartoony i guess voices in the anime i think no 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 that's for pika <laughs> that's for pika later on. oh dude his voice is, is great after that uh, i gotta send uh, you that clip after this yeah definitely because i have a voice in my i have a definite voice in my head i'll get to that when we get there but but yeah, the fairies from this point on, I'm imagining like many higher pitched voices of Elmer Fudd, which doesn't do great <laughs> when you're like, I am the legendary warrior Leo, right? That's the guy's name, Leo, the main right, warrior of Leo. the Tontadas. Mm-hmm. But I'm imagining Elmer Fudd on his in his younger days. I'm just like, oh, I'm getting mixed. I'm getting mixed vibes here. <laughs> um, Leo's badass though. Not, no mixed vibes. There. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He is. He is. Um, we also get like you mentioned, Sanji splits off too. Um, it's because. Let's be honest here. I'll, I'll I shit on Sanji. I give him full credit for being lured away from this moment because oh, he yeah, sets his like eyes. So understandable. He sets his eyes on the f- probably the first character in One Piece with an ass, and that's Viola, <laughs> <laughs> and not just any ass. It's chunk. It's ch- t- junk in the and trunk. like in this scenario, I think. <laughs> Like I said, I'll allow it because she's actually like intentionally leading him on. Exactly, she's intentionally and this is Sanji, seducing. We know how, we know how weak he is. Like he didn't stand a chance. Quite frankly. Oh, he did not. And this also confirms my headcanon. Well, at least I guess this confirms my headcanon to be true. That member in Shibodi, I said that Kami totally kissed Sanji when he was about to drown because he had those flooded waterfall nosebleeds off his face and he couldn't even breathe or he didn't say anything. He mm. had the exact same look, exact same look, yeah, side by side comparison. Or in this part. After Viola 100% kisses him to try and just, like, hide from the guards that were right. coming by. 
So, and yeah, he had that exact same wrong. look. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, that confirms it. That's number two. You are not wrong. <laughs> oh, that's number two. Um, and yeah, and then Viola right away comes across as like, you know, the soap opera femme fatale of like, oh, I have a, oh yeah, there's a weird there culture a man thing. I need you to kill. Even. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I killed a man, but you need to kill someone else to protect me. There's a weird subculture or like a, there's a weird, uh, like just acceptance, I guess, in Dressrosa where it's like the lovely ladies are always backstabbing their lovers. And then they always have like this constant cycle of like backstabbing revenge on each other where it's like, oh, you killed my lover. Well, that's my father. I'll have to stab you. Oh, you just killed him. I must stab you. It's like, again, just soap opera, just 100% soap opera. But yeah. I love it. Um, say novella. <laughs> and Viola, shocker, turns out to be an agent for uh, Del Flamingo. I originally thought when this uh, turn happened, I thought, oh, shit, she must be that heart agent that wasn't there, right? Maybe because the heart, right? Seduce people, oh, yeah. trick them. But instead, she, I think she was just one of the other sub-officers of another category. Yeah, it says she's with Treble. The uh, Treble Army. When it gets okay, okay. Yeah. Little and panel. originally, I was really fucking love this because one of the main things I do want for Sanji is to have his weakness come and bite him in the ass. And it does at first. But then we get that moment where he's like, I can always tell when a woman is lying, and I know you're lying to me right now, even after, even though you're kicking me in the face and the gut right now. <laughs> and it turns out, yeah, Viola is a part of the old royal family, and she's trying to find, like, the right people to help her take down Doflamingo. Like, she's an inside agent. So, yeah. Sanji gets a little win for that, and he gets another kiss from, like, pro- possibly the hottest woman in all One Piece. Possibly. Ooh, um, now you're just asking for it. I'm just asking for it, man. But hey, if we're no talking comment. <laughs> just aesthetics, just aesthetics, I'm just saying. She's she checks a lot of marks on my personal preferences, okay? Just saying. Um we also get yeah, so Zoro is off with the <laughs> trying to get a sword back that was stolen. He's with he's with Wicca. He's like he chases down Wicca who's taking his sword and a bunch of other crap, right? And then Sanji mm. was originally chasing him, but that's how they got split up. And then he, the yeah, and then understandably gets distracted. Um, so- Luffy, Frankie, and Kinemon, they run into my one of my favorite tropes in storytelling. It's overdone as hell. I don't care. Blind badass dude. Yeah, or even that, just <laughs> yeah. we, or even just weaker old guy, right? But you're adding on an actual like blindness. You're actually a real handicapped i'm getting like you know avatar vibes from this mixing with iroh and toph together and you're just like oh i'm just an innocent old man i'm just gambling away oh i'm being fooled and distracted uh luffy in his disguise looking like master roshi from dragon ball (laughs) like helping out the old man going that's not what that's not what's going on like dealer you're kind of lying to this guy um and then they find out how strong he actually is when there's a giant fucking crater in the ground like uh (laughs) that escalated quickly Absolutely, it did. You're just like, oh, Luffy's doing Luffy things. Oh, you lied to me about the results of this dice game? How about <laughs> I just send you all straight to the pits of the planet? Uh, what, like Sound quite cool? literally to the, yeah, quite literally to the pits of hell, you know? Quite just, literally. No big deal. No big deal. Um, there's even that moment where it's like, oh, like Luffy's asking who he actually is. He's like, ah, it's better if you don't find out. Later, it finds out that he's actually one of the... Oh, I actually want to ask you this. Is he one of the new three admirals? Admiral Fujitora? Yeah. Still he three. is one of the three, yeah. Because I know that... I think we get them all I, name I, dropped here, right? Uh, it's, it's a little later, right? It's in this first half, but it's a little after this Well, there's, there's only two new ones, right? 
because oh yeah because i kind of got promoted oh, and then okiji left, left. Yeah. yeah so yeah. there should be two so fujitora is one of them so but either way he's the us the reveal he doesn't tell that to the straw hats but we find that out later um we also run into uh after luffy and frankie get intel to check out a coliseum that's where everyone's going to uh they've run into this one-legged toy they that's currently named thunder soldier and he's got quite an interesting story, but for now it's like on the low, right? But we yeah. find our first sentient toy, right? He's actually talking like a regular human being. He's running away from the cops. Like this weird yeah, he's law. like our first like character character mm-hmm. where that's a toy. Mm-hmm. Not Toy Story really, toy, but you we know. get to meet. Yeah, contender. Um, and then we have about like what ten chapters of just. The games, the Coliseum of just basically Luffy yeah. competing against all of these characters, all of these people with different backstories and powers. All of them are actually very interesting, but for the sake of and, time, yeah, saying, for the sake of time, just any standouts in there in that first like block section when Luffy's fighting in the Coliseum. Uh, I got, I got a few. Um, obviously, you mentioned Cavendish. Uh, before recording, right. uh, the the good looking guy, he he is important uh, in this entire arc. He helps the people out. Uh, Jinjao is probably the funniest. Am I saying that right, Jinjao? Yeah. Uh, he's probably got the funniest one. He's got beef with Garp, and <laughs> of like I used to have like the tallest head in all the land. He punched my head so hard. Now I got a dent. Right. I hate you. Luffy in the Coliseum punches him so hard he gets his dent, his head back in the same shape, mm-hmm. and so becomes entrusted to Luffy after that. Um, Bartolomeo, Bartolomeo, um, yeah, first Bardo's fine. He is a literal troll, right? He's got the horns and everything. He's pissing <laughs> towards the crowd. Yeah, he's I flipping everyone off. Oh, I love Barto. Yeah, and his powers basically just reflect from Pokemon, where he's just got this invulnerable barrier. And that's all it is, but it's he can like move protect. that barrier. Uh, pr- protect and barrier combined, actually. Protect and reflect? Whatever. You get the idea. Yeah, he can use it's it actually crazy too. power. Like, we've never seen it broken thus far. Oh, ab- absolutely. I'm, I'm tempted to say it's indestructible. <laughs> we for, all know. We know, for all we know, this could be the king of a future pirate king. Who, for all we know. But... Could be the ultimate defense <laughs> you know, in this world. Who knows? Who knows? Um, he is also a super, super super fanboy of the straw hats holy shit this guy is a simp for what a, what every a great idea like the pretty character <laughs> yeah and the, for all your main characters and the coliseum nonetheless too but he's not even like a fan from the stands he's a literally a fighter but he sees and he just goes no is that really him yeah he, like, like he's, he's literally here to get the maramarino me to give it to luffy like as like a, a gift and the whole time, too, this guy is just simping super hard, too. Like, later on, when there's, like, the fights are going down, like, he just has my favorite memorable line when he sees Robin for the first time. And he just goes, oh, my God, it's Robin. Please enslave me. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. like I'm just like, I want to get my police club, my baton, and just bonk him, go to horny jail. But then whisper to him, you can't say that out loud. That's not that's not culturally accepted yet. Okay. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but yeah, he was he was hilarious going forward. Um there's Burgess. We get the wrestler uh from ah, yes. Blackbeard's crew. Yes, Burgess. He's there. Beers. He's there also and for the Fire Fire Very worth mentioning. 
and he is as strong as you think he is. Like, this guy knows how to use hockey. He is literally mm-hmm. creating holes in the Coliseum with just his elbow fist. Like, he's doing, he's doing Captain Falcon moves from Smash Brothers, and it's causing, like, AoE damage to the Coliseum. Like, this guy yeah. is strong. Um, Bellamy is back from the Jaya arc. That guy, I, uh, wouldn't, yes. I wouldn't have minded if he didn't show up again, but we do see him again. And uh, I'll talk more I about... Think, I think it's a pretty good payoff. I think so. I think in part two, we'll discuss more about that. But um, yeah, the payoff we do get is good. But I had a little nitpick that I just, just, it, it irked me so bad when Luffy asked him, uh, like, hey, you mentioned getting a giant, like, golden totem. Did you get that from Skypia? And he goes, maybe. And I'm just like, there's no fucking way, Bellamy, <laughs> of all people, this guy saying there's no such thing as a Sky Island gets to Sky Island and actually takes that golem totem. I refuse to believe it. Unless I see that golem totem in uh, Doflamingo's treasury, I refuse to believe that actually happened. <laughs> I refuse. I you kind of have to it's accept it. Uh, it's my headcanon until I see for a fact. Um, and possibly the most important of the gladiators, um, Thick Thighs Save Lives, uh, Rebecca, who oh. when we first see her Again, like, we get number two, right? We get Viola, right? I said, like, the first ass character in One Piece, and then we get the second one with right. the, the biggest thighs in all One Piece. <laughs> right. Um, I do have a nitpick right away. I told you, right, of this aesthetic nitpick I have, because she's clearly going for that 300 Spartans look where they're just, they're just like, super sexified and Speedos, right? Like, all lubed up, all sexy and manly. But then Rebecca's doing, like, the girl version. Where is her bronze shield? Where is the giant hunky Spartan shield? And you're gonna say, wait limit. And I'm gonna say, shut up. <laughs> She's wearing no armor anyway. That scantily scale brawl loincloth armor she has can't weigh more than a pound. Like it's that sword she's carrying is probably really heavy. I'll I'll say that. Well, much. I, I think it's chain, right? I don't even know, dude. It's it some looks... kind of chain mail, her armor. Oh, armor. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's it's scale or it's chain. Listen, the point is, I was heavily disappointed when she had a wooden shield, like a medium sized medium shield and a giant sword. I'm going no, especially with what her character ends up being in the future, who ends up being like the super pacifist doesn't want to fight. Give trade her big uh, great sword for a, like a traditional, like smaller curved Greek sword. And then give her a giant bronze shield. That way she can block blows better and deflect yeah, better. That would have been cool. That would have fit her personality a bit better. And then still have that Spartan aesthetic and have my like mind OCD just going like, please just give her the shield. But it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I keep telling myself it's fine, Justin, but I, <laughs> I, I'm still complaining. About yeah. that. Um, regardless. Yeah. So 10 chapters of just Gladiator games. It's spectacular fun. We get great, again, great choreography of, like, a, a super giant getting clocked in the face by Luffy. Um, again, Jin Zhao getting his head knocked in. Um, but, yeah, it ends, at the end of the day, being, like... It doesn't even finish at the end of the day, huh? Wait, it does, no. but unceremoniously, right? Wait, because does one finish? I might have misunderstood. The whole games, right? Because it starts in four rounds, right? There's A, B, C, and D. Those finish. Oh yeah, no, it it does technically come to a to a complete a completion by the end of the arc. 
True. I guess the fans don't really get to see it, though, because right, chaos they all ran away. <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. That's true, too. Um, but yeah, we get the games going on here. And while this is going on, right, um, cutting in between, like, this is, this is the part I was mentioning about, like, it's going to be hard to track because it keeps let's jumping just, Let's take, take the next section, then, so we'll with, say with we've got the Robin group. Okay, okay, the Robin group. Okay. So yeah. that's what I want to ask you. So, okay, so the Robin group, um, they are trying to transport uh, Clown and Law. They're trying to get them to Greenbit, right? The island. And right, we got so, what is it? Uh, Usopp, Robin, Law, and Caesar. Yeah, and oh, I said clown, D- dude. Come on, he's not a Caesar, right? Dr- <laughs> sure, druggy the clown. <laughs> he's, he's not. He's not even a true clown. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's. Just, I don't. I I lose either way. I lose either way. But anyway, so their group, yeah, they're trying to go to Greenbit to do the exchange, right? Like it's part of the deal. You step down as warlord, we gave you back clown, and then that's the deal. Um, they go to the green bit, obviously, and this is when shit is starting to hit the fan more and more, because we see the plan start to execute. We find out that, by the way, Doflamingo has enough influence to actually control the, uh, state media enough for that they can convince them to lie about a headline for at least a couple of hours before revealing uh, the truth, like, the true scenario. So, by the time they get to green bit, and... Doflamingo is waiting for the exchange. They find out from various sources, like you hear it from Sanji's perspective, I think, because he gets it from Viola. Yeah, who, by the way, Lawrence. yeah, which by who by the way has an incredibly OP mind reading power, where it's like the like was it like is it like the mind eye fruit? What's it called? The eye eye foresight? I, I forget. What, I don't even remember. I forget. But honestly, she just takes a look at you. It can read all your thoughts. That right? That's how Sanji was able to get her on that. And then she can also reverse it, where you can see what she knows. And then she shows Sanji the whole plan of, like, by the way, Doflamingo is, did not step down. He is still Warlord. He did that just long enough to get you guys here. And right away, it's scaled against the Straw Hats, right? Robin, Usopp, even Law, they're out of their game. Because also, again, he's a Warlord. The Navy is there to help Doflamingo. And apparently... CP0 is also around in the area. They're not really mentioned that much this arc, but the name drops a couple of times and Robin is aware, right? She's telling everyone to stay back. These guys look like CP0. So I want to ask you that because I wasn't sure. I'm not sure if this is a retcon or if it's a detail. I don't remember. I thought it was one through eight and then nine was a secret division. Or was it zero through eight? I'm not going to lie. I don't know. You don't know? I think okay. it was one through eight, and zero's like I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So nine is our secret number. Zero is our super, super secret. <laughs> exactly. Zero's the super, super, the super secret. secret. Okay, so e- let's just say it was zero through eight the whole time. That means the lower the number, the stronger and more open they are, I guess. And nine is supposed to be the the infiltration secret one. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because. CP0, they were, like, walking out in the streets, right? They were just, like, in their masks, like, masquerade masks, like, Water 7, just walking around. But what Robin knew right away who they were. Um, they're, like, in the background somewhere. But, yeah, Admiral Fujitora and Doflamingo are there. They kind of, like, blow the deal where it's, like, you have a choice right now. He's still a warlord, but 
hey, you, you still need to turn in clown, right? You, you need order to keep the status quo. But there's also the interesting thing about Fujitora is he doesn't seem happy about what he's doing, right? He's an admiral for fuck's sake, but he's also like, am I doing the right thing? Because he's constantly wanting to protect the people of Dressrosa, but he's fully aware that everything, every time he's helping <laughs> Doflamingo, he's like, am I actually helping people? <laughs> am I the bad guy? <laughs> like, he's actually questioning it. He's actually not sure. Yeah, he he definitely seems to be like more of a like quote unquote good guy than most high ranking marines we see. If anything, like misinformed or misunderstood, he got that high probably for his power, and they didn't actually do like a thorough like mental check to be like, okay, is this guy like an actual lapdog of the navy? Can we trust him to be an, an admiral? But either way, like this guy, because yeah, he has fucking meteor powers for fuck's sake. Because as soon as diplomacy <laughs> has failed, right, and Lagos know the deal's off. He just calls in a fucking meteor, causes another and, crater oh man, to occur. That, that was awesome. Like, <laughs> then, that panel, when it's just, like, you know, like, it hits and everything of the ground is just destroyed by this meteor that fell from space. And the only thing left is, like, the ground where the three combatants mm-hmm. are standing. God, I, that was sick. And I swear to God, Fujitora has the expression of, like, oops, did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, like, I think I really like that guy. Like, I'm still, like, unsure because we don't see that much of him. Like, we do, but we don't at the same time because the arc focuses, obviously, primarily on Doflamingo. But for the new Admiral, I'm really digging this guy because I'm just like, I'm interested to see what the his personal turmoil, turmoil will end up being. So, the even that group gets separated, right? Law is with Clown, and they're trying to flee. Meanwhile... Yeah, because Robin and Usopp, Usopp are kidnapped. Are yeah, by, by the Tontadas. The, the Tontada, yeah. So, I have a question for you, uh, Justin. So... Yes. In the scene where they introduced Is this Leo, about the Tontada on Robin's boobs? On her chest. Uh, <laughs> do you think Oda might be trying to tell people, Hey, Robin's better girl? Is Do you think he... Are you getting that feeling? Because now it's like... I realize I mean, not because not... a lot too. Uh, yeah. no, not in this arc. Not in this arc. Um, no, she's not in most of this arc. <laughs> not really. Yeah, not really. Because literally, like the introduction of like, oh, by the way, here are the disguises of all the characters. Everyone gets twenty disguises. Meanwhile, Robin is like in this very like short summer dress, very like liberal, very open. I'm not complaining at all. And then we see Why the. Would t- you? <laughs> and then we get to see the like the size comparison of like so this is like Oda's mind right his plan of like I'm gonna I'm gonna blow your minds okay editors okay hear me out so I'm gonna show you how small the Totoras are by having one standing in on her chest and have a point of view shot so you can see how tall they are compared to her boobs therefore you know <laughs> how small they are it's not just fan service I'm also giving you a world building detail okay Works two for me. one two for one. <laughs> Uh, it's a great perspective shot, I'm not gonna lie. But, yeah, we get that scene where the Tentadas, we find out, are also super gullible. Because at first, they're trying to, like, accuse um, Robin of possibly being, like, an agent or a spy and are threatening to strip her. But then they find that, they hear that, oh, Usopp, he's a descendant of, uh... Noland. Nolan, yeah, Nolan the liar. (laughs) Yeah, Nolan the fucking liar comes back again. Usopp just drops that detail, and they're like, oh shit, he's a descendant. <laughs> oh wait, hang on. Oh shit, he's a descendant. <laughs> Gotta get that lisp, got that Elmer Fun voice. Yeah. Usoland, as they call him. Usoland, yeah. Oh, but then we get a fantastic scene, because 
I'm guessing not every One Piece fan likes how much Usopp lies, right? Maybe they don't like that trope, but I honestly love it because every single time he does, it bites in the ass so fast all the time. Where he just goes, this yeah. This time, especially hard, I feel. Especially hard. It's hard. It's like especially hard. <laughs> because he goes, yeah, I'm a descendant. And then they go, oh shit, we can finally enact our plan. We got the descendant. He's going to lead us to a revolutionary victory. And then you get that great scene of and they're all chanting, Usopp, Usopp. And then he just has mouth is full of going, hmm? Yeah. <laughs> what am Uso I doing? Then. Uso then. And he's like, uh. Oh, God. That was great. That was really good. Great moment. I think it's safe to say, just from that scene alone, Usopp's like on an S tier in this in this arc. Just from that scene alone, we haven't even gotten to the other stuff he does la- well, Usopp later. Usopp is on. like is S tier in this arc for sure. Minimum S tier. What do you mean a minimum S tier? You'll hear what I mean later on. But yeah, we you get know. that. You know, Come on. Um, we get that wonderful, wonderful scene. Um, so at this point, right, the pieces are in place, the plans being enacted, all the straw hats in some way or another find out about Doflamingo, right? Zoro finds out from the fairy, I think, that took his sword. Um, what's her name again? Sorry. It was... Uh, Wicca, yeah. She had Wicca. seen the Don Quixote pirates going towards the Sunny. Right. Or some of yeah. them. Some of them, yeah. Right, and there was even that small scene where there was one of the pirates, like, trying to get onto the Thousand Sunny. They almost hijacked the ship, but uh, Brooke was able to fool him and do, like, the his usual, like, um, <laughs> his single single cut reference. Where it's like, you've already been cut, what? And then, like, the next scene, right. he gets him. Um, and then we get the, we get a big story bit, a very important story bit, of, like, why the Tantatas and at least Thunder Soldier are trying to work together to try and usurp uh, Doflamingo and why the Straw Hats are a welcome sight. And that's because all the toys you see on the island were once human beings that have turned thanks to a um a devil fruit power. And a passive to go along with that power is everyone who knows you forgets who you are completely. So even though you retain your memories as a toy, and you're probably gonna go through torture of like, oh, I'm gonna be a toy and serve my family or be with my family. As you go, as like the father, I think the example they showed, right, was the father of like a family, but his own child, his own wife didn't know who he was because it's not their fault. It's part of that power, which is incredibly fucking scary. That's and, like one of the most broken devil fruits, if not oh, abs- the most broken we've seen. It was so broken. I was convinced that it was two parts. Like I was thought the toy transformation was one power and another user was like a memory power or something like that. I thought it was like a <laughs> no? mixture. No, it's one power. It's one fucking power. And it's, of all characters, like, we saw her in Punk Hazard for, like, a scene or two. It's, it's the little girl eating olives. Sugar. It's, it's Monet's her. big sis. <laughs> it's, it's her big sis. I forgot about that. Yeah. It's her big sis. Just eating olives. Just that little, that quote-unquote innocent, quote-unquote little girl eating olives is responsible for this monstrosity. And... It's their plan to try and find, go into the factory and find that user, either knock her out, kidnap her, something, right? Because they believe or know for a fact, if you just knock her out while she's trying to, you know, keep that passive power, then she's, then the power reverses. So, actually, I'm not sure about that logic, though. Is it because she's always awake and then she falls asleep? or I think it's just like being forcefully knocked out in some way, right? I guess, like against your will, you. I, fall guess, I guess that's how it works. Yeah, 
I guess that's a weird passive. Either way, that's the plan, right? Um, it's also at this point in the because then we so we cut back then to the to the to the Coliseum, right? And we get introduced to uh again every arc needs their animal. We get uh Moosey, at least in my version. Is, is this does this is it Moosey in your version too? Uh yeah, and I I'm pretty sure that it's. Oozy in the original, that's, even that's because ooze like you know cow sound. So, mm-hmm. but it's pretty that, similar, but, yeah. Moosey, oozy. But my elementary school taught me it was moo and not ooh. <laughs> Therefore, it's <laughs> moosey. But yeah, we get introduced to moosey real quick. Um, and then Luffy again with his supreme king hockey just talks to the ki- talks to the bull, and all of a sudden the bull's now on Luffy's side. There's a moment in between rounds, right? Luffy wins his, and we get more into Rebecca's backstory. And this was after she buys Luffy lunch and then try, and then like the captured gladiators from before they're like completely crippled and maimed. They actually try to hold Luffy back from behind the bar so that they can give her a, a chance to kill him. Cause like you said, let's be honest. She's, she's, she does. She didn't realize she's, she's not going yeah, to say that. She saw Luffy. him ice that guy that was bullying her. As someone else said, she knew she couldn't take him in the ring. Yeah, and this is, like, so strange, because it's like, oh, I thought this was supposed to be, like, an honorable 300 Spartan. Why is she doing, like, this, like, outside-of-the-ring back, like, backroom shit? What the hell? She ain't here to make friends, homie. She here for the fruit. Yeah, exactly. But she, but we also kind of see it, too, right? Where she kind of, like, she's kind of, supposedly, she's, like, one of the quickest fighters in the ring. But she's so slow in trying to kill Luffy, and by comparison, he just easily gets out of the grub, uh completely dodges but because of his logic of like oh you bought me lunch therefore i'm not gonna knock you out <laughs> i'm just gonna Politics. just we're on even grounds now okay you got you try to kill me but you bought me food so we're even <laughs> um so it's fine it's totally fine but, totally fine but i think for this sake i know it's done in two parts but i think here we could just go along with the entire backstory is that okay with you with rebecca and tie in uh, the thunder soldier i mean yeah that's probably the time for it right yeah, I think so. So, at this part, at this time, we get the first part. But for our sakes, we're going to do it in one part here. We find out that Rebecca is a descendant of royalty. There was an old, uh, old family, royal family before Doflamingo came around that ruled. Uh, that was King Riku Doldo the uh, Third. At this point, I wasn't sure if it was her father, or grandfather. I just wrote down kinsman at the moment. Um. Uh, to and, Rebecca, that would be grandfather. Yeah, it's confirmed to be grandfather later. At this point, I just wrote Kinsman. And it's revealed that Doldo was completely tricked by Doflamingo because this was a peace-loving royal family. A, a, a rarity in one piece, right? Where, like, the royal family that doesn't try to exploit their people. Shocker. But he was completely flabbergasted when Doflamingo was just like, I'm here to take back my city. You guys can't stop me. You know how strong I am. But if you pay me 10 billion berries, 10 billion berries, by the way, untold number of money. If you pay me this by the, before midnight, I will spare, I'll, I'll let you keep your kingdom and I'll just head back. Right. And out of desperation, right. He actually talks to the people and goes, please trust me on this. Yeah. There, yeah. There's no time to explain. Please trust me on this. Give all your money to the center of your town centers to my soldiers and just pour it on, please. But because the people trusted Riku, because he was the peace-loving pacifist, 
that they trusted him on it, and they all just go, I don't know what he's doing, but here's my money. Here's my money. And it's going to be, like, it looks all great. It looks wonderful. The people are responding. The king is, like, emotional. He's like, oh my god, people yeah, do trust like, me on this. What a great it's, story. It's great. And then you remember, Doflamingo is a puppet master. And then, one by one, the soldiers, including King Riku, are possessed, are controlled by Doflamingo, and start cutting down the people that just gave their money. And it looks horrible. Like, horrible, it is some, obviously. It is like unspeakable war crime shit, where it's just like, let me just take all your money by force, with like by trust, right? And then I'm just going to slaughter you all. And obviously the people are just so completely confused. The soldiers are even confused, because they're just like, I don't know what's going on. Please flee. Please run away from me as I'm chasing you down. I'm killing you like a, like a Halloween murderer in a horror movie. And then in comes in Doflamingo going, hey, I'm the old royal family here. I've come back to save you guys. I brought my own officers with me. They welcome him because they're being slaughtered. Doldo is usurped. And that's how Doflamingo got back his title. And by got back is another reason why I think Doflamingo by, by default is like the number one villain in this. He's a fucking celestial dragon, dude. Oh, former my yeah, God. former celestial dragon, dude. Once a CD, always a CD, motherfucker. Like this guy is like, I left them because well, like, well the, the CDs it, would disagree. Apparently, <laughs> uh, well, if <laughs> they get if, to Dofi's backstory, if they, tr- you know. if they if they truly thought he left, they would go out and try to kill him because he's a you know he's a pretender. But we find out later is that he knows something, and that keeps him alive. But regardless, this guy is of royal blood himself, and that's how he was able to keep the title. Because according to him, the Don Quixote family were the original royal family that ruled over Dresrosa before they became Celestial Dragons. So he went back and got like an old claimant that was 800 years old, 900 years old. But regardless, like this motherfucker just does this. So how does this tie in with Rebecca? So Rebecca's mother faked her death right to be to live a quiet like humble life right in the countryside where it's like oh, surrounded by sunflower fields because she wanted to be with apparently this legendary gladiator who won what was it 300 or 3000 straight matches right former convict then legendary gladiator then guard captain for the king fell in love Ex- with her then they got married yeah, so they had their own, like, dramatic soap opera, like, love story going on. And it's great. It's romantic. Right, she had to fake her death because he was formerly a convict. Like, yeah. first and foremost, he was a criminal. So he can't just be yeah. marrying a princess, right? And that's also why when they first met, she was, like, full-on, like, against him. Where he was like, get this guy away from me. This guy is, like, rotten to the core. Get him away from me. Some shit happens. He helps her out. They bond that way. And then she fakes her death. And then they have a daughter. And... Then there's that moment when the chaos is happening, and Kiros is like, I have to go, I have to help, you know, the king, the guy who helped me find a life, help me find purpose in my life, and not just be a killer, right? And there's this, I have to admit, a completely fucking baller moment, where he's going in, right? There's Doflamingo, but he's restrained, right? I think from the, on the legs, he's- Super his, baller. He Super just is, he's held down, right? He's aware that the king is being controlled and he's going, you know, this guy is responsible, Doflamingo. And Doflamingo's doing like the monologue thing. He's just like doing the slouch of villainy, holding them back. He's confident. And then this motherfucker 
cuts off his own leg with no hesitation. One slice, one slice clean off through the meat, tendons, bones. Don't question it. Shut up. He's that strong. And then heroes, bro. Simultaneously lunges at Doflamingo for the killing blow. He doesn't care if he dies. He just wants to go for the killing blow because this fucker is ruining everything. Unfortunately, though, it doesn't work. And then you go, oh, that's the Thunder Soldier. Mm -hmm. Sugar gets him and turns him into the Toy Soldier. Yep, and therefore Rebecca and the wife. (laughs) Yep, and the wife. And it's tragic because he was literally going, "I want people to forget I exist. I am a murderer. I am a horrible person. I wish I was nothing." He gets what he wants, but it's way too late. And goes, "No, I have purpose in life. I have my wife and daughter. I have people I love." So. That's how this goes on. I do love the presentation because I know we're explaining this right now. Like, we're combining the two parts together. But the way it's told originally was from Rebecca's per- perspective. And she has no idea who Thunder Soldier is. Because yeah. from her perspective, this toy comes out of nowhere to help her after her mother was killed. Right? After trying to find out what was going on over there. And then we learn that, yeah, Thunder Soldier was raising her like a father because, yeah, he was the father. Um, and I, I do like the way that turns out because in the end, even though she forgot it was her father initially, like she still does have memories of him, right? Like uh, as the toy soldier, which I yeah, think that turned the, out pretty well. Exactly. Also later, but there was also this incredibly tragic scene where, like, at the end of like I think part one, where we find out that you know Kiros was a Thunder Soldier, where Rebecca is trying to do that that desperate attempt to try and get the fruit, and so she's entering a gladiator. And then Thunder Soldier is like, you can't do this. You shouldn't do this. And then she goes, you're not my father. And you get that one panel right. of him with the shades. And you're just like, oh, I feel that. And of course, Rebecca re- immediately regrets saying that. But it's that horrible like, and, emotional when, you're, when you know, it hurts even worse, right? Like, you're just, ugh. And the worst, part, the worst part about all this, though, this backstory, which is why, despite me initially wanting Rebecca to be like this honorable Spartan badass super soldier but I'm completely fine with this is the tragic back. The one of the other tragic parts of this backstory is Rebecca is a pacifist like her grandfather, right? She does not want to fight. She hates fighting. Right. And yet she is in this fucked up scenario where she is of a disgraced Royal bloodline, right? The, uh, the Riku family, not the Don Quixote family. And so she has to fight and protect herself. And she has to enter these games in the Coliseum to try and get more power so she can fight more to usurp Doflamingo, even though she hates it with every fiber in her being. I'm just like, this is getting some serious Gohan vibes from Dragon Ball Z here, dude. And But the tragedy here, too, is that instead of Kiros being completely oblivious to that reason, he completely understands that, no, my daughter is pure she doesn't want to fight but she's doing this because she feels she has to and here i am this pathetic toy soldier now that and i can't protect her anymore so this backstory to me is actually wonderfully well done with the exception of it does seem like rebecca does take a backseat in comparison to the story being more about kiros than her so that is a complaint i do have about this but at the end of the day, I don't think that belittles her character. That's just like an unexpected narrative shift, in my opinion. I don't know. How, how, how I think that's fair. That, yeah, because like in the second half, especially, right? She kind of does end up really taking a backseat. And it, it all does come down to what Kiros is doing at the end of the day, right? Yeah, the perspective is much stronger with Kiros coming in with his perspective. But ultimately, at the end of the day, 
it was a backstory to me about a father and a daughter like trying to get things back to normal for them get things back to what they want to do right Kiro's abandoning the fighting life and just being a father and have Rebecca just live her life and be free and peaceful but they're fucked up right now because Do Flamingo. All fingers point to Do Flamingo, which is ultimately the part of that backstory, right? The main purpose. It's that guy's fucking fault. Because uh, to tie it in together, back to the present day, she goes into the Coliseum for her battle, and everyone boos her, thumbs down, and she's got the cape, right? This badass cape. She's got the sword and the helmet. But she's being booed, thumbs down, going, fuck you, get out of here, you're a disgrace. And Luffy's like, they're booing her? What the fuck? <laughs> like, they're, they're, yeah. it's, it all ties in so wonderfully together, this backstory. So, I think, yeah, that's the only downside to me is just Rebecca. The, the narrative shift does make, does make it seem like Kiros has more of a spotlight. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm personally, I am fine with this, personally. Yeah, it, it's kind of like, whatever mm-hmm yeah so again i am completely fine with that so that then out of the way we do catch back up with law right because he's still trying to flee from do flamingo he's trying to keep up there's like a round two on the bridge he's trying to distract do flamingo from the thousand sunny right as they're trying to sail away because by the way the ship has clown now and um i actually didn't realize this until it's stated later Momonosuke is still a target. He's gotten, like, one of the special Devil Fruits, I guess, that was supposed to be off to the side. But at the same time, it's unique, right? Going after him, too. So either, or maybe it's not even that, maybe it's a status, I don't know. Because he's supposed to be, I guess, a future, you know, the Hokage, I don't know. But (laughs) either way, he's important. So that doesn't turn out very well. And then uh, Doflamingo does try to go in for the kill, right? He's like, he like uses his strings to tie to the cloud somehow and that's how he jumps around he doesn't skywalk he does he uses his strings on the clouds to fly around Seems um, oh yeah sure it's good enough for me but i think i'm jumping around here but either way he gets cut off by sanji in midair which i admit was a great clash on one hand sanji saves the day but on the other hand they're on equal grounds sanji is dealing with this guy in kicks and Doflamingo is matching him in power so you're really going oh <laughs> he's he's like this is Doflamingo like in his beginning stages and he's going one to one even with Sanchi right now in kicks ooh okay goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> he ain't all talk oh shit so that part was wonderful and this was also I think right after he actually defeats Law and he's like shooting him dead on the ground in front of the Coliseum, right? Where it's like this mo- horrible moment where you're thinking like, oh, like Law, I mean, sorry, like Luffy is in the Coliseum. He's looking through like the barred windows because he's trapped inside the Coliseum, by the way. That was part of the trap. And he sees Law just unable to reach the Coliseum in time. Dolphin just pulls out the gun, just shoots him point blank when he's on the ground. And you get that great panel of like, oh shit, did the villain just fucking kill our tour guy? <laughs> did he just kill our guy? Um... But during this whole moment, right, this whole moment of chaos, and the Straw Hats are, like, on the back wall, they're desperate, we get this layout from, the the last time we hear from, essentially we haven't mentioned Brooke, Chopper, Nami, and now Sanji, because... They haven't done anything. (laughs) That is why. Yeah, they're they're watching the ship. Very important. Um, However, 
we get the last line from them, and this is basically Nami laying out the plan, right? Because we're talking about the motif of, like, the card deck, right? And she even goes, listen, there are three cards in play. We have two. We have Mononosuke and Clown. Our best bet now, after, oh, by the way, we got to mention this. By the way, a big mama ship is also in the area trying to get Clown for their own I reasons. <laughs> Did we? Did we I learn he, why? I we think did. he owed them money. I think Clown says he owed them money. Well, it's that I think it. Yeah, Big Mom was funding his research to make giants. And I guess he took a big to turn uh, kids into giants, and he took a bunch of money, and he does not have results. Basically, right? Yeah, he's and he's just like, uh, can you guys help me out here? I owe them money. <laughs> can you get them out? So either way, they need to flee from them, regardless. But she lays out that yeah, we have two out of three cards, and Law basically got himself shot. And on the public street for us to make sure he doesn't get these two things back, right? So the best thing we can do right now is for us to leave this arc and have the spotlight focus on the other five so that there's not a split of character attention, but we're still doing an important thing. We're not, like, intentionally being sidelined because, like, oh, we got drunk or some shit like that. It's like, no, we're doing an important thing, but this way, Oda, uh, narrative-wise, can focus on Luffy, Zoro, Robin, Usopp, and Frankie, right? These five are going to get their spotlight. Sanji got a little bit in the beginning, but he's going to be on the side now, too. Nami, Brooke, and Chopper. Personally, I really hope they do come back in the next arc, because I do love this strategy of, like, splitting the team up intentionally in a good reason, so that you can focus on this half now, this yeah, half Yeah, I, I did, too. Just make it, especially when you have all these tons of new characters, like, in this whole section, right? Like, all the gladiators and everything, and when it gets yeah. popping off, they're all doing shit. It's nice yeah. to have, like, a more manageable number of, like, main characters to, to focus on. Yeah. So, for the weirdos out there who don't actually uh, read it and just listen to us talk about it, we mentioned five gladiator names. There's, like, 30 <laughs> of them named by Like, named notable, by name. right? Like, gladiators that end up they fighting get, in they this get big their, skirmish. Yeah, they get their title card and everything. Like, the one I, like one I didn't mention was Suleiman the Beheader. And I'm just like, what a badass name to give a character I'm probably not going to care about in the future. <laughs> but he looks like this ex-like Janissary from the Ottoman Empire. He's got, like, the top hat and the, the like, the, the imperial jacket going on. I'm just like... This this guy has no, like, meaningful purpose, but he looks so damn cool. Regardless. Great. Well, I mean, he does end up on the, the fleet at the end, so. The fleet, yeah. The fleet. Yeah, Who, what, what's the fleet? We'll, we'll establish that in part two. What's the fleet? It's, yeah, I mean, the if, fleet. You, Trust if us. you know, you know. You know? <laughs> <It's>, yeah, <laughs> you know, if you're in the know, you know. Um, But yeah, the two-in-one banger from Oda, it shows that, yeah, other Straw Hats are doing their important things. And also, what I like about this, too, that this decision is, despite me, like, obviously, like, in Fishman Island and even in Punk Hazard, I dislike it when characters are sidelined. Like, Nami got sidelined super hard in Fishman Island, for example, even though it had potential for her to have the most importance there. But in this case, it's completely fine as well on a character level, because it shows that Frankie and Nami have agency, right? Because Nami is like, no, we're doing this because it's the best course of action. Frankie staying behind because he's like, after hearing the story of the Tantadas, I'm going to do what I can to blow up that factory. I'm sorry, Luffy. I know you're the captain, but you can't stop me. Right? And Luffy goes along with a plan because he's like, yeah, we're, no, we're doing it. <laughs> it's, but it gives the characters agency and gives them like their own goals and personality on this. Also, again, you notice how Frankie is showing this agency where I'm just like, yo, I'm going to do this thing. You guys can plan around it. 
this is literally what I wanted in Punk Hazard <laughs> when he was like they're trying to capture him for the laser tech. Right, right, right. And the agency thing I wanted was to Frankie go, I'm gonna give myself up. You guys can help me if you want, but your intention is to save the kids and me if you want to. But I'm gonna do this. You guys can't stop me. And literally, I get this in the next talk over. So props to Oda for that. And yeah, so again, it splits up the crew, but this way the spotlight doesn't have to be shared with even more characters. We can focus on these ones. So hopefully in next arc, we get the other four, because again, we're all waiting for Brooke to have his badass moment and not just a one clean swipe moment. Um, can't wait for uh, Nami and Chopper to you know come out and do some shit too. Because they have done a little bit so far, but nothing major yet. Not in a new world. All right, so basically, let's we can kind of fast track, right? Fast track to the plan, right? To the to the to the. I was getting to the to SOP, right? To where it's actually going down. Yep, which that's is basically our our Usopp stuff. Yeah, basically what I got next. Oh, um, Same. real quick, uh, I got pre chapter notes. Uh, in the last episode, we forgot to mention this is a tiny little detail. Right. It's tiny little little nothing detail. Oh. No big deal, just one of our yeah. favorite side characters. Bon Clay is alive and impel down. <laughs> He's alive <laughs> yeah. and well. Revealed in a cover story? Like, what the hell? Like, what the hell? But you know what? I'm fine with that. The fact that he's there, he's in the, the new Kamaland. Is that what it's called? New Kamaland? Yeah. He's new he's the new mayor. You know what? That's perfectly fine. Um, Queen, but I believe, is the appropriate term. Listen, he could be whatever the fuck he wants, dude. <laughs> you want to be Kaiser, Emperor, King, Queen? You know what? I don't give a shit. You do you, dude. You're Bon Clay. You can do whatever the yeah, fuck you and want. And he's live, and that makes me happy. Really he's does. live and jiving. That's what counts. Um, but the bigger pre-chapter story that I want to bring up here is there. This is like while during the parts that we're talking about here. Let's get some revolutionary feel. Let's get some. Uh, let's get some real-world revolutionary vibes. If you're unsure what I'm talking about, it's the Caribou backstory, in which he, you know, like you said in the last part, where he splits off from his crew. He just bans them. Bye. See you later, bitches. And now he's in this new town, but the new town is being is going through a revolution of their own, their own revolt. And they have this flag of a character that looks like Caribou in a beret in a unique art style that looks like the shirts um, that you see, like, I don't think at Hot Topic, but like, at, you know, anti-government, anti-society like stores of Che Guevara, Che Guevara. And it's the exact same style. I'm just like, oh, Oda's going in on this right, oh, yeah. revolutionary <laughs> rhetoric. Oh, boy, he's going in. <laughs> you don't just do that and not mean shit. And this side story goes on for like 20 chapters of priest chapters to the point where uh, Caribou just decides to be the new Che Guevara of that universe for the sake of the old lady that was uh, protecting him and helping him. And even though she knows that that's not really my grandson. So it's like, I guess Caribou is in the Revolutionary Army now, I guess. Fuck. <laughs> uh, damn, right? Oh, okay. shit. All right, shit. Um, with that revolutionary talk in mind, before the plan goes into full effect, sorry, Justin, we'll get there re real quick, is the Revolutionary Army is also here on this island in Dressrosa, presented by Koala, first off. I did not expect to see her again this real soon. Um, wonderful surprise. I have a slight nitpick, though, because this is just personal preference, because I think I mentioned this in Fishman Island, where it's, we're going to see her again, and it's going to be because she shows off her brand, right? There's going to be a moment where it's going to be, like, maybe, like, a comedy scene, because I think it got, she got Brian on the chest, right? So it'll be like, oh, gosh, she's tripping, look away! But then she goes, no, look. And you look, and it's like, oh, it's the brand. Oh, shit, it's right. Koala. And then you see the name tag at the bottom, 
right? I thought that'd be her reveal, but honestly, this is just as fine. It's just a pleasant surprise here, too. And she is an officer of the Revolutionary Army as a fishman karate master. I'm just like, <laughs> living up to Tiger's legacy. You go, girl. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty dope. But you know what's also more dope? Sabo is fucking back. Her. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Sabo is back. So, oh, of course. So, it's not right away it's revealed to be Sabo, but let's be honest, we kind of knew who he was. It's, right? it's he, pretty obvious. It's yeah. very it's very obvious with his his, uh, his language, how he's talking about how he's too friendly with Luffy and about being a brother. And then you have the best reaction in the entire series that, this is a personal note, by the way, personal, personal uh, quotation here. The image of Luffy, of this face, this is before our first episode of OP is OP. I was just looking for a random One Piece reaction shot to put on our Discord channel for me and Justin to, like, yeah. you know, start our recordings. And it's an edited shot of Luffy's face here with Usopp, Robin, and Frankie earlier when they were reacting to the Dentata story. And it's all their faces in one inside Luffy's mouth here. And originally, I just found it thinking, like, oh, it's a One Piece reaction shot because I know about that. But I thought it was just some yeah. Viking dude. I didn't think it was Luffy in disguise as Roshi. So it was so great seeing that moment going, oh, it's him reacting to Sabo being alive. Which also was no secret. I, I, I saw this back at early as a post-Marine Ford. That backstory yeah, where we he's all, like... Pretty much as it happened. Like, oh, okay, he clearly lived. Yeah, that's an off-screen quote-unquote death. Oh, he's super alive. And then there's a pre-chapter art later on that shows uh, Ace, Luffy, and then a hatted figure looking down. I'm like, oh, that's Sabo grown up. Like, he has the figure already right. drawn out. <laughs> like, it's no secret. But the moment is still wonderful. Um, but yeah, Sabo and Koala are here. They're joined in by one of the other gladiators in the arena. Um, I, I Literally the Fishman Karate Master. Like, he's not hiding it there. Um, they're doing their own thing here. Their own interests are also to shut down the factory. Because Doflamingo is part of the black market trade. And they're like, no. This is something that we cannot happen. He's literally causing crime to skyrocket. We can't have this shit. And they're trying like, to go in. They're trying to take pictures of like the cargo being part of the trade, getting intel. And also, Sabo trying to get the Firefire Fruit to be the new living memory of Ace. Oh, and I'm just yeah. like, you know what? That's fine. That's great. Luffy joked about Frankie using the Firefire Fruit, maybe. Because he can't, he's like, nah, I'll pass. <laughs> but honestly, in this case, you know, you know what? Sabo's going like, you know what? I'm going to keep this as a memento. What do you think, Luffy? Honestly, and also, it, I was a little bit mad in that moment when Frankie was like, ah, I'm good. I'm like, what? He what? said he didn't want to lose the ability to swim. I'm like, have you ever seen Frankie swim? <laughs> ever? Because I haven't. Oh, Water 7. The he entire, did. Water- like, chapters he's. Oh, that's true. That that one yeah. time he did that one swim. time, the one time when, when he, he got hit into the water by Luffy, yeah, he had to swim out. That that's it, though. You know what? Actually, now that you bring that up, I was just gonna I was gonna defend Frankie here. I'm not gonna defend Frankie anymore. No, I just realized there's, there's like no downside to eating a devil fruit. Like really. I just, I, okay, so this is another real. This is a One Piece world building question. If you're a cyborg and you can build yourself propellers that activate when you're in water. Do they still oh, that work? Would, that would even still though work, you're, I'm pretty sure. But it's kind of implied that if you get near salt water, you just start going asleep. You start losing your energy. So, so what, does, if, what if he made like a flotation device? No. Uh, when he falls Maybe. in the water, it comes out of his back automatically. That would still, st- come on, easy. 
He's got to defend that. He's got to defend that fleshy back somehow. Might as well put like a, a life raft in there <laughs> somehow. Perfect. So yeah. So at the end of the day, Frankie had a shitty excuse, but I'm fine because the payoff is Sabo going for it, and he's disguised as Luffy to finish it off. He's got the sunglasses to hide his eyes. Um. So what's what's Sabo's weapon? Is it a cane or is it a pipe? It's a pipe. Okay, kind of I got a steampunk aesthetic. Also. Okay, uh, yeah, okay. I was a little mixed because when I saw him, that you see that presentation shot of like him with Koala and the Fishman Master, um, I thought it was a Kanos back because he had like the top hat, he had the gloves, he had the caravan, he got that whole classy look going on. Well, I think it is like a pipe meant to look like a cane, you know, right? Like, like, like yeah, that. like t- if I'm trying to act like a noble, like my shitty parents, I'm gonna use it as a cane. But when I gotta beat people down, I gotta beat up some navy men. I'm using that pipe, motherfucker. <laughs> right, exactly. Got to live up to the revolution. Um, but yeah, it was great to see Sabo and Koala in here. Um, sorry, I just want to mention that real quick because I know we're going to get into the plan. We're going to get into the action that goes on and it is a very entertaining and bit as the momentum is constantly swinging. So we basically, we have like mm, three sides, right? We have the factory side, right? We got got, Frankie going to the front doors. Frankie at the factory, Luffy and Law and Zoro. And Kinemon, right? <laughs> Charging Doflamingo. And then you have uh, Usopp and Robin. Infiltrating, uh, yeah. Infiltrating the underground, like. Yeah, yeah. I think they're still part with Frankie, because Frankie's trying to go through the front doors and distract the main officers on top, I think. And Usopp and Robin are actually infiltrating from the bottom. It's also refreshing because Robin is actually very good at infiltrating. Like, she's actually, like, she actually got the disguise. She actually knows what, like, bullshit to say to try and distract an officer. Like, it's like, oh, it's refreshing, because usually this kind of thing happens. I'm used to, like, Pokemon, where it's, like, shitty disguises, shitty... And it's just like, how would anyone fall for this shit? And Robin, it's like, oh, I would see people, anyone falling for that shit, unless they're asking for specifics. But she was going for, like, really good, like, vague stories, where it's like, hey, pe- these pirates at the dock are giving us shit. Can you help us out? Like, we're unable to contain. And, the officer, like, one of uh, Doflamingo's officers like, ah, those motherfuckers. All right, point them out. Where are they? And it exposes sugar real quick. By the way, I love their plan because you think, oh, it's going to be poison. It's going to be deadly. This olive, that fake looking olive, <laughs> yeah. this is going to kill her. Even she thinks it's like poison, but it's like, no, it's like hot. It's like tobacco. It's like, it's super, like a, a super hot. It's like, it's just a, it's just a ghost pepper. It's Ta- just, Tabasco it, star. It's called. Yeah. Right? I, lo- no, I no, love. No, no, wait. That, is that it? It's like, ta- yeah. Ta- like Tabasco. Ta- yeah. It's like, it's such a funny name. I'm just like, oh, the little mini Elmer Fudd's so great. Because, again, the Fudd's just to knock her out. They don't need a killer. Um, they're too PG to, to poison people. Oh, of course. They're, they're, they're fairies. Come on. The most risque thing they'll do is stand on your chest and have a nice boob shot for the people at home, okay? That's the most risque thing they'll do. Yeah, but while you're pinned to the ground with stitches and can't move. Yeah, of course. Uh, really nice. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, oh, the side plot also is they're looking for their princess. They're looking for... Um, Manchuri. Manchuri, yes. She's the princess of the Tantata people. And there's a great moment here, characterization, where a great character moment with uh Robin. It's done a little quickly because it starts off with like them being found out, right? And then Robin trying to fight and she's putting up a really good fight. And then the next chapter, she's already a toy. And you're like, wait, what the fuck just happened? But then that's when you realize that's how quick Sugar's power works. She just has to tap you. That's it. You just tap, you're gone. But what's great to me was Robin freaking out, going, oh my god, no one remembers me. And I'm thinking, 200, 300 chapters ago, 
or 400, I forget when Water 7 was, this is exactly what Robin would have wanted. Everyone to forget she existed, and then she can just be forgotten. Right, that's so true. And then now she's going, oh my god, no one for- remembers me, this is bad. And I'm just like, <laughs> that's character development for you in small ways. Oh, Robin. And while this is going on, the Tantadas are being beaten back. Like, they're trying to force-feed Sugar the... The... The, 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 the pepper. Fuck it. The pepper. And, <laughs> and... But they're failing as well. And there's a moment, too, where they're um, they're just like, oh, Usopp's gonna come in and save us. He's gonna be our savior. Here's a descendant of Nolan, and he's gonna come in here, he's gonna kick your ass. And the whole time, Usopp's running away. He's, like, straight up just running. He, he's, he's, because he's out of his game, right? He's like, I can't do shit. These guys are officers. Bitch moves. All, all these people, yeah, at first you're going, oh, this is a bitch move. Oh my god, what's he doing? I thought he's better than this. But the whole time, the officer's talking shit, right? Usopp's like, he understands. He ain't jack shit. You guys got lied to, just like we lied to your, you know, the, the people that were keeping enslaved down there, right? You got guys got fooled again because you guys are so gullible. He's in the keep running away. He's a pathetic, sad coward. They look to the right, and you think Usopp's running the whole time, right? But it's unclear where he's running. It's unclear, and then he runs to the room, and he's right there, and he's going, "I lied to you guys. I don't want you guys want liking me as Nolan the Descendant." But you guys have me, Usopp, your new hero. Badass motherfucker. Pulls the slingshot and he loses. Honestly, though, yeah. great moment, right? Great oh, character yeah. moment. Easily like a top two for Usopp. Yeah. You think, yeah, because you think that, okay, maybe perhaps he has a plan up his sleeve, but it's very clear that these guys are strong enough to fight off all these Tantatas and Robin. So what can Usopp do? In one chapter, he goes from you know, fully courageous to looking like how he looked in Alabasta, like all beaten and bruised. Like he, like he ain't moving, right? He is so badly bruised up. And it's like, what the fuck's going to happen? Because literally this plan relies on sugar eating the, the pepper, getting knocked out and all the chaos from the toys going back to humans. And so they get all their people riled up to fight against Do Flamingo, right? That's the plan. Luffy and um, Thunder Soldier and I think even Viola, they're there. They're waiting for the plan to act. They're right outside Doflamingo's yeah, uh, yeah. quarters. But they're waiting for the turn. They're waiting for the transformation. Um, They're waiting for the right moment to strike. And obviously Luffy's being really impatient right here. Like, he's getting antsy, right? He's getting, like, he's he's pumping his fist. He's like, come on, come on, come on! Um, Meanwhile, Frankie's getting his ass kicked on the front door. Um, He's running against Senior Pink and another officer. I think it's the, uh, I forget his name, the guy with the heels. He's a he's a cruel uh, motherfucker. Laoji? I think so. He's like the guy who's like all oh, smiley. Oh, Dellinger, Dellinger, the half I fish th- man. Is it him? I thought I thought it was like a little kid. He had like heels, but Del- he like yeah, he's got heels and uh, the hat with the horns. Yeah, like this yeah, guy. That's, he's the half half fish man, Dellinger. Like I'm I'm not sure if he's supposed to be the guy from like the like the Chicago musical where it's like he had it coming, he had it coming. I'm not sure if he's supposed to be from that movie or if he's just from Game of Thrones, because he's got, like, a smile on his face, he's all smiling and waiting, and he's, like, waiting to stab you with the heels or the horns, like, with no big, like, no regret at all, like, that guy's cruel. Anyway, Usopp is down for the count, right? This guy is, like, I don't see how he's gonna pull off. He's literally unable to move, and Sugar is coming in, going, you guys were planning to poison me with this fucking thing, and you know what? I'm just gonna force-feed it to you and see how you feel. Force-feeds it to Usopp. (laughs) 
<laughs> that yep. face he makes, dude. Oh man. It's so, beautiful. I I think Oda has done it once before, but it's like artwork that reminds you of Junji Ito of all the horror manga that's been written. Because the way that Usopp's reaction to the, to the his hot, face. It's all, it's like twirly curled eyes that are like poking out like slugs, and then his tongue is doing the exact same thing. It's actually kind of scary, yeah. if not for the yeah, funny it's moment. Yeah, kind of it kind of is like almost body horror. And then you get Sugar doing her own amazing reaction, screaming the life out of her. <laughs> she just animal faces basically. Yeah, animal face, animal face. She gets knocked out. The plan is in motion. The revolution is upon us. Doflamingo himself is going, what the fuck is going on down there? And the officer is going, we don't know what happened. Sugar just got knocked out. We thought we had it in the back. <laughs> we don't know what happened. And he's just like, his hand is on his forehead going, what is going on? His face is getting red. That vein on his forehead is getting bigger and bigger. The people are turning back to humans. The memories are flooding back. The old ones don't go away, by the way. They're to be fair, he's in. probably also getting fucking scared too, as he remembers all the people he's fucked over that he's forgotten oh, about. Oh yeah, it's a, yeah, exactly. It's a mixture of emotion where it's like it's him being angry. It's also him just being like, like he's just trying to give his next plan. Going, oh fuck, I did not plan for this to fail like this. Holy shit! Scared as well, fearful of like Kaido, right? His best client, the Emperor. That's always the thing they mentioned throughout this arc. Is that's going to be the big thing going in is his biggest customer going, hey, where the fuck's my weapon? Where the fuck are my weapons? Where are, where are my devil fruit, you know? And yeah. you just see that great moment and everyone just going, oh my god, oh, dad, you were there the whole time? Rebecca going, oh my god, Thunder Soldier was my father, oh my god, I just remember it all. And then everything just snapping into place because Usopp manages to Usopp his way to victory somehow, some way. You think he's out for the count. He does the courageous thing. He still gets his ass kicked, but he does the but impossible. But he still takes that dub, baby. He still takes Mission the w. complete. Mission stage one complete, right? Stage and one let, complete. I just have to say that what comes of this after when <laughs> is the is the best thing in the series, like, to date, I think. Oh, you're talking about Usopp's when, second part, right? Later? Yeah, that's 100%. So oh, when, yeah, when yeah. did basically... <laughs> Ends up like they everyone there being freed. All the credit goes to Usopp, one hundred percent. Exactly. If he didn't Junji Ito his way to victory on in front of Sugar, this would have been a short series. Would have just ended right here. Um, but we have a a whole domino effect of events starting to happen. All the toys that were formerly former gladiators as well from the past all turn back to normal as well. They all go, oh fuck, oh shit, fuck that guy. Fuck that CD. Let's get up. Most of them do anyway. Most of, some of them are like are just like let's get the hell out of here. But then you get that moment. But then that includes Kiros. And right away, this fucker does not hesitate. In one of the best moments, the like the calls to action, like since like I think like Guardians Two, when Guardians of the Galaxy Two, where um, Star Lord finds out um of a certain event, right? And instead of asking why, he just shoots. Right? He doesn't ask any questions. The call to action. And, like, don't ask, don't say anything, don't monologue, just act, right? Kiros does this. He bursts through the window in the middle of Doflamingo going, what's the next plan? What's the next thing? He turns, he sees this one-legged human plunging at him, and he goes, before he can just go, what the fuck? PTSD. He gets beheaded. 
straight up in my children's shonen action series, beheaded. <laughs> no jokes. Then this is a great short arc uh, that was wonderful how it ended like this. Uh, Justin, you can just end, end on the recording now. Thank you for coming. And Bye, that's guys. how Dressrosa ended. Then Bye, yeah. <laughs> they go back to the ship and leave. If only. Regardless, that was a great moment of action. Yeah, Heroes, I just agree. all those he years. Was just instantly, he's like, "I'm, I'm on. It's time." I, I've been, I've been itching for this moment for dec, like mm-hmm. a decade of my life, and he doesn't hesitate. And it would have worked if it, if it, if he wasn't Doflamingo, because it turns yeah, out he wasn't Doflamingo. He has. Yeah, it turns out he has the best body double that you can ever ask for, which is yourself. A part of his power that he can do is just literally out of strings, make a copy of himself. And it's sentient as well. He could do his own thing. Wait, wait. Actually, I was going to ask about that. Is it sentient or is he controlling the clone too? Uh, debatable, honestly. It's either or, right? Either or. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. matter. It's a pretty stupid ability either way. Let's be honest. <laughs> Another reason to fucking hate this guy and love it. Because, like, this Celestial Dragon has the most bullshit fucking power of, like, I had a double the whole time. By the way, you're just in a great scene, by the way, where his head's being held up. And he's just like... You know, you guys are kind of pissing me off. I'm going to have to use that birdcage now. And only Law is freaking the fuck out. Very similar to Robin when she heard about the the phrase Buster Call, right? And no one else was like, wait, what's that, right? No one understands. Law knows birdcage. And we see that moment where the strings just shoot up into the sky. And there's just lines all around the beautiful area of Dressrosa. And it's just this birdcage. This magical, impervious, uncuttable birdcage that even Zoro can't cut through somehow. Ridiculous. This power is, like, so dumb. It's so bullshit. Honestly, honestly, this stuff should be, like, bothersome, right? Because it's, like, it's too powerful. But honestly, I'm just so long for the ride because I just love hating this That's how I feel, too. Like, the birdcage especially. Like, the the fact that nobody can break it or cut it and do, like, nothing. But come on. Especially because yeah. we see Zoro cutting through, like, volumes and tons of stone later on with no problem. It's like, you can't cut through a little birdcage string, dude! <laughs> it's like, that must be some really good hockey infusion, I guess. I don't know, man. <laughs> and the fact and the fact that it's that far and wide around the entire town. But I just have to mention real quick. Honestly, I-, I guess we're just supposed to believe that some devil fruits have ultimate abilities. And right. I'm just going to assume that the birdcage is the string fruits version of that. Right, 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 right. He mentioned there's an awakening aspect, right? There's a power that, oh, there's a devil fruit with awakening level of power. He mentioned this, I think, in what's supposed to be like part two later on. But since you brought it up, yeah, I think this is supposed to be it. Where if you get like, if you're like, if, if, if you're thinking like RPG standards of like a, like a video game, RPG level 100 kind of thing. You level up your devil fruit power to the max. You get this awakening bullshit OP power. Right. You push it. Push it past. <laughs> you push it. Yeah. You push it to the limit. And what's uh, just, uh Doflamingo's version? Oh, he could just kill everybody in a like a, a five five thousand square mile radius. No calls can go in and out. That's some also bullshit, by the way. Yeah. Like, no the, calls. Are the strings go- like ra- are the strings vibrating and creating radio frequencies? Like I don't. I don't <laughs> Disrupt- get it. Disrupting radio frequencies that even stop transponder snails from working properly. And then you just also, they can't also be cut. Like, yeah, honestly. I was actually thinking it was more like, or possibly something more like the immortality surgery, which is also in part two, but possibly. You know what I mean? Like, that is seemingly unrelated to everything else. 
This one is a little bit more related, but I don't, I don't fucking know. I don't know. I don't know. At this point, you should be, if you're if you're gonna coin this to me as like, hey, I'm gonna write this fan fiction. All right, what's your OC laid on me? This guy can create puppet strings that size of like a small island, and they can slowly infuse in. Okay, that sounds kind of OP, but that sounds really cool and scary. They can't be cut through. Okay, that's kind of weird. You can't call out of it. Okay, this is sounding a little bullshit. And he has an a body double that you can even cut off their head, but you can't even tell because it's an instant copy. Okay, this is sounding really stupid. Yeah, and it and, looks and sounds exactly like him. Indistinguishable <laughs> from the real And, <laughs> and he's a celestial dragon, but he's not. He left because he's so badass and so cool. He left and they can't kill him. All right, this and, is sounding like a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> and he can turn other things into strings <laughs> also. Oh, in his surroundings. Oh my God. This is, so... The my point being is if this presentation, this character was done in any way, shape, and form less than great, less than amazing, this would have been a bad villain. Bad villain. This would have been OP. This would have been a Mary Sue. It would have been like, oh, fuck this guy. He's just a strong character for the sake of being a strong enemy. I don't care, right? He's got all the aspects to make him like just an unlikable person from a reader perspective, but he's an unlikable character in universe only, and he Oda manages to find that middle ground because again, all these power bullshit aspects should be reasons to hate this guy. Of like, this guy's kind of ruining the flow of the series. Like, this is a bullshit villain. I don't like this guy. But at this point, I'm just thinking the tension's here now, and now we got a problem with phase two of the plan. Doflamingo makes a call right to all the people, right? Because he, he's escaped, right? And Pika. His other officer that can has also a bullshit power of just controlling stone and moving the castle itself as if he was the castle itself. And then just calls everyone on like his personal like satellite direct TV bullshit of like, hey, I'm kind of mad right now. And I bet a lot of you are mad at me. But you know what? All this is happening right now. This birdcage. It's because of these guys. Right. Here are their bounties. Bring them to me, right? Man, the, the Usopp moment there was also plus <laughs> comedy. So great. It's, so I, great. it's even funnier when Luffy and Zoro are laughing about it too. They're when like, like they see five stars on Usopp, and they just can't contain how hilarious that is to them. It was that killed with a, me. It was up with another great reaction where his tongue is just sticking out, just going ah, like he's gagging of like, oh my god, my life is gonna end for sure now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he also has this funny ass moment where he's tossed into the gladiator pit temporarily, and the people who are brought back to life and they know Usopp was the reason, they hold him up as like the god, uh, the hero of the gladiators. Yes. And be but because he's so injured still, he's trying to say, like, put me down. I'm tired and injured. You guys are filthy. Oh my god, put me down. But it cuts up cuts off just the right words to make to make it say like I am your god. I am your savior. Yeah, like shit. I will. I will lead you to salvation. Some, some crap, yeah, some, you know? some like yeah, some cult shit. And everyone's like, "Oh hell, God, Usopp!" <laughs> all these gladiators that literally just fought in the ring against Luffy and all the badasses of of the area, and they're literally chanting, "God, Usopp, God, Usopp." It's such a great moment, and I love it too because Usopp what usually would day. want this kind. Because of, Usopp would want this kind of thing to happen. But right now, he's like, no, stop it. No. He's just in so it. much pain. He's like, put me down. Put me, put me down. I, I've had enough for one day. I'll stop lying. Stop. I'll stop. 
but it keeps going worse and worse. Oh, it's so great. But yeah, the tension is on because Doflamingo demands, I want you to bring all the straw hats that are here, the revolutionary army guys that are here, um, and the Tontadas, I think. There's a couple of them that are one, I think. Maybe Leo. I forget. There's like yeah, 12 in yeah. total. Regardless, I want you guys to bring these guys to me. If you guys bring these, you know, there's, a, there's a bounty in it for you guys, for me personally, and I'll spare you guys. You guys won't die, right? And that's how he's able to turn the havoc that's all pointed against him to now go against each other. He's able to deviate some of the violence against him to go against each other. He's actively making the people go to civil war against each other out of desperation for of survival. What a fucking villain, dude. <laughs> yeah, and basically, it's like, this is like the second battle royale section of this arc, kinda, since the Coliseum was kind of also a battle royale. It, 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 yeah, it turns out that Doflamingo could do some improv. Who knew? <laughs> By the way, you want some round two of the Coliseum? Well, here you go. And, and this is also why I, I liked uh, Fujitora, because he's straight up like, I want to get rid of the warlord system, because if people like you are in charge and doing this on a daily basis, I can't have this shit. They even clash temporarily, right? And uh, this uh, the difference, but then they agree to go, you got a job to do, don't you? And he's like, yep, I'm still an admiral. But it's very clear he cares for the people of Dressrosa and he doesn't like what he's doing. So it's like, okay, this guy's planning something. He wants to try and do something, in the future at least. Because of right now, unfortunately, he's on what seemingly is Doflamingo's side. But you could tell as, as the events go on, he's trying to hold back just so that he can focus on, like, protect the people, right? Protect the innocents, get them out of the center where all the fighting's going on. Try to do less fighting. It doesn't, it doesn't work out, but he's trying. Um, but while this chaos is going on, uh, Luffy gets law, right? He's, he's stuck in sea prism cuffs, so now the new objective is to get him free. There's no Mr. Three this time, so they can't fake a key. They have to get the key from, uh, I think Viola has it, but they're separated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they're separated. Um, so now the the goal is we gotta get to- Wait, no, Rebecca has it, right? I think either one of them has it, but they're with each other. Is Viola with them at that time? Yeah, she's with them at the time. Because remember, we kind of skipped over it, because Doflamingo, he like does like the great action scene against Luffy, where he like double teams against Luffy. The, the then tag he moves team the combo. castle and he splits them up, and that's yep. when Luffy catches Logan, or they right, they re-meet up, and that's when the key gets split as well. Yeah, and then there's also that great moment, too, where all the gladiators are like, I'm gonna get Doflamingo. No, I'm the main character. No, <laughs> yeah. I'm the main character. Have you bought the recent volumes? I'm on the front cover. What are you talking about? No, I'm the main character. I'm gonna go Honestly, after when Dolphin. all those guys are like running up next to Luffy, like, no, I'm gonna get him. I'm just like, fucking really? Shut the fuck up. At you this, know what I mean? At, Come I, on. I, I do know what you mean, but at the same time, I'm going, you know what? That means you just got more saved hours. by Usopp. No offense. <laughs> except but, actually offense. You suck. Look, let Luffy listen, handle this. <laughs> listen, you see pretenders, I see live bait for the main characters, okay? <laughs> because what happens is as they get further and further up into the columns, right? More of the fighters that are uh, running alongside Luffy are trailing off and fighting off against officers. The of... Don Quixote family, yeah. So it does yeah. work out. Mm-hmm. There's and even some whole... that even get ahead. <laughs> right, I was gonna say, basically, that's like the next like 10 chapters until like the point where we cut off, really, right? Of them 
Well, we yeah. also, on the other point, we do have uh, Sabo still over in the arena, which, you know, spoilers, he wins. He wins. He wins. <laughs> he eats the fruit. I was so disappointed that there was no reaction. I was really hoping it was what I thought. It kind of sucked that no one was in the audience, right? Yeah, no one like, sees no, it. There was no video feed, like nothing. No one knows. And I agree he, that was kind of lame. I, well, on a personal, I was just thinking it was lame because when he ate the fruit, he didn't have a reaction to it. Like, I thought it was going to be so spicy, so hot. Like, that's what else my head can. Like, it was so hot. Like, the worst. Yeah, yeah he was just, like, gross. Just like everyone. That's the yeah. only flavor of devil fruit is disgusting. Listen, <laughs> if I just wanted Sabo to do a Usopp face 2.0 after he ate his own version of the Tabasco or whatever. <laughs> right. I just wanted to do his own version, but it's fine. It's fine. Um, his I wanted moves. to see people react to him eating it. That yeah, you that's know, definitely like, the like holy too. crap! The the chief yeah. of staff of the revolutionaries just got an insanely powerful devil fruit. Uh, what does this mean for the power balance in the world? Oh yeah, I like I actually gloss over that. He is number two in the revolutionary army. He's right behind Dragon. He's right behind the leader himself. He's number two. He rose up in the ranks, and now he has like this dragon claw move. So that's actually really dope. But on top of that, now he has the fire powers. And I guess he just got the rule book because he knew exactly what moves Ace had. Yeah, fuck it, don't, don't question it. Don't question. Listen, he reads. Okay, he's well informed. He knows. Well, that's what like moves. that's Ace's most famous. It's literally his name, Firefist Ace. You know. Yeah, but the fact that he actually knew a couple of moves right away, I'm just like, you know what? He was well informed. Okay, he 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 read up on the two years. Cause... I mean, honestly, I just interpreted it as he's like output as much fire as possible from your fist i'm gonna call that the fire fist <laughs> i'm and listen i'm not complaining either because i get my fire powers back because i loved the fire fire fruit i always loved it yeah, um it and he uses it great. yeah and he uses it to make sure that uh fujitora does not catch up to the straw hats at all that he's stuck on the ground level he he holds him back the whole time the fight doesn't ever focus on him too much um so that kind of ends it with sabo actually for the entire arc he just holds him back really but there, Burgess, yeah. yeah, but for now, um, there is a nice characterization moment where when we do see of his backstory that when Dragon did find him after that accident, he uh, had memory loss temporarily. But when he read the news of Ace's passing at Marineford, he remembered and then suddenly he was riddled with guilt that he wasn't there to protect his brother. Right. Or yeah. he wasn't there to help Luffy out either or to be there for his loss. So this became his personal plan to get the fire fire fruit. So and, and this entire mission for him became personal as well. So there's some personal stakes here with Sabo. Um, really hope in the future, he doesn't end up being a villain. I really hope so. I really hope not because <laughs> honestly, the pieces are there that maybe the revolutionary army are a bunch of cucks too. Maybe because right? it would be like, hey, possible. it's possible because I, the main characters are pirates. So there's a possibility that any type of force that's trying to establish order whether it's the Navy, obviously they're the bad guys, or the Revolutionary Army, but because of this perspective of like the pirates being the main characters, that they both could end up being bad guys. I hope they don't really uh, go yeah. that route, because I do like Koala, I really like Sabo. For all I, we know, Dragon is I, an asshole, but... I get what you're saying, like, in, we <laughs> haven't seen it yet, but the Revolutionaries do have to be, like, uh, wrong right like they're mm -hmm. the way they're trying to fix the world or something in their methodology has to be yeah wrong because so, otherwise the main characters would be revolutionaries right yeah so going back to the pre-chapters why i want to bring that up uh che guevara being your you know your revolutionary imagery here 
is very controversial. If you don't know who he is, he was a hardcore communist during the Cold War. He was very dedicated to the cause to the point where he mass murdered people to get to his way. Very controversial, right? But it's part of a revolutionary cause. So that's why if you're part of the Western world, you're taught that this guy was a villain mass murderer. If you're anti-establishment, you were taught that, you know, he was for the people. Again, very controversial figure. So the fact that Oda is using that imagery could also mean, hey, maybe the RA is kind of like that too, right? So I hope it's just revolutionary imagery and not like, here's my hint to you. The RA might not be a bunch of good guys. Because listen, Eva's great. Sabo's great. There are allies, at least. So I would be completely fine if the Revolutionary Army was like the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing, where it's like, okay, you're bad, but you're not Navy bad, right? You're still you're still establishment. You're still a government force, right? You're still going to go after us once you win, but at least you're not the Navy. You're not the Celestial Dragons. You're not right. the establishment. I would be fine with that. And then have like, because you know how Kobe is like, I'm going to honorably seek you out, right? And I'll be the admiral and track you down. I'd be fine if the RA in general was like that to Luffy, right? To be like, all right, you helped us with the revolutionary, with the revolution. But officially, you're still pirates. We're still going to go after you. But we're going to do it right. We're not going to kill innocent people to get to you. Sorry for the long tangent, but I want to get that out of the way because I'm very hopeful for the revolutionary army characters because all of them so far, I really like. It would really suck if they ended up being... Like, even worse than Celestial Dragons. I don't know how, but it'd be fucking that, horrible. That's not were. impossible. <laughs> impossible. <laughs> that's impossible at this point. Um, so, I think we can pretty much get to the climax, right? Because we do have this whole... Of this part. Of this part. Yeah. Yeah, 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 of course. Of this episode. Like, we have the race up the plateau, right? Which is all the gladiators that we're mentioning, as well as the other 57 that we didn't. Now in this big race to go to Doflamingo, but of course we know that the only one that's going to get there in the end is Luffy and Law. What? And we end up with a 2v2. No, really? <laughs> right? And yeah. before, we, like in this section, I do just, I love calling out the Pika voice scene. Okay, Luffy and thank you. Zoro okay. first hear his voice. Okay. I have to mention Wait. that. I want to ask you a question. Okay. I know you watch the anime too, so don't tell me that answer. What did you first imagine Pika sounding like when they said he has a super high-pitched voice that makes Luffy laugh his ass off in the face of terror, <laughs> despite that? I, what does he sound you like seen, There's, like, a video on YouTube mm-hmm. where I think it's French, maybe? A French, oh, okay. like, interview. And this okay. guy is trying to, like, seriously talk about how his voice, it's, like, super high-pitched voice him. I hate to say it, but it sounds fucking hilarious, right? And he's telling mm-hmm. this guy, like, yeah, like, having this, like, this voice has been really hard for me. And, and the guy that's supposed to be, like, interviewing him really professionally, just, he can't hold it. And he starts laughing his ass off. <laughs> that, that guy's voice, if anyone can find that video, that's how I imagine Pika sounded. I need you to link me that video after this recording. Um, Got you. I can't can find it again. So I didn't know how high-pitched they, they were. Uh, our mutual friend told me that in the actual anime, his voice is so high-pitched. It is ridiculous how high-pitched it is. I didn't think it was that high-pitched, because I don't... But the way he was describing it. Because I told him in my head, and it, it still it sounds like this in my head canon, he sounds like Kermit the Frog, in my opinion. Have this what? giant... Have this... Oh, think about it. Think about it. Have this giant, Kronos-looking motherfucker all daunting and just going... Don't worry, Doflamingo. Leave it to me. I will defeat all Straw Hats and avenge the Don Quixote. <laughs> and have that echoing and booming throughout the land. I was just That'd like... That'd be pretty funny. That'd be pretty I'll, good. I'm not lying. Everyone at home, 
I read every single line Pika said in that Kermit voice out loud because I was entertaining myself. Okay. <laughs> That was so fucking great. <laughs> you dare that's question crazy. my authority? <laughs> uh, that's uh, awesome. So, yeah, and then when I told my our mutual friend, he said, no, it's much higher pitch than that. So I'm like, okay, that's fine, either way. But when I'm reading it to myself, it's Kermit the Frog. And that is your prerogative, at reading manga. <laughs> I love... Oh, thank you. Speaking of voices, I want to make this real quick, too. In my head canon, I always mention what characters sound like in my head when I read. Uh, my first time I think I mentioned this, I said Arlong sounded like uh, Do DiMaggio from uh, uh, Under the Red Hood when he did the Joker in that. I imagine uh, Do Flamingo. He's called the Joker. He's voiced by Mark Hamill in my head. He is literally the Joker when he does his low voice when he's being, being very menacing and intimidating. Not like his like like clownish like upbeat voice, but like yeah. Um, oh, when he's Majima. From Yakuza in the old dub, the old bad dub of the early Yakuza releases, he played as uh, Majima in that series, also an insane character. And I'm just like, this is Mark Hamill, one to one. You cannot convince me otherwise. His name is literally the Joker. Trust me, Dolphamingo is perfect with Mark Hamill's voice. Uh, if you have never seen the Batman for whatever reason, he is also Fire Lord Ozai in Avatar: Last Airbender. That voice is also very similar to what I imagine Doflamingo sounding in my head. That's like pretty similar to how his voice is in the dub oh, it, as well. Oh, it actually is very similar. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty close. It's you that kind of, you know, like yeah. voice. You know what? I bet Mark Hamill was doing a uh, Last Jedi so they couldn't actually get him for the recent dub. You know what? That's my head cannon. You can't. It's not the right time frame. To <laughs> up. Shut up! It's my head cannon. He, he was working out. He was getting ready. Um, I think yeah. So during these climax sequences, it's. Basically, like, series after series, we get, like, some highlight fights right before we get to the top of the tower. Um, we do and find... We're, we're gonna stop when we get to the top of the tower, right? Yeah, to the top of the tower when uh, Luffy conf and Law confront Doflamingo. That's when we'll stop. Um, but before that, when they're racing to the top... Senior um, Pink. Senior Pink. Real quick, Frankie. we find out that Law, he has a personal grudge against a... We're not going to go over the entire story, but we get the reveal here that Law has a personal vendetta, right? It's been teased throughout the arc, but he has a personal vendetta against Doflamingo. It's not just to destabilize him and get right. Kaido to come He's not in just after, up. like, a claim by taking down an emperor, ultimately. He's actually here, like, for Dofi specifically. Yeah, and the first time we see it, I don't know if it's an intentional misleading or if it was just translated uh that way but the first time law says it, i really thought he meant his lover because he said that uh he killed my love he or someone i loved he killed uh doflamingo's brother and i'm like oh okay cool sweet especially because his name ends up being corazon which is usually what you call like someone you're romantically involved with or like someone who's like close to you like oh my corazon so i thought oh how sweet how cute but then it's like it's oh, it's a little different we'll get to it in part two but either way um we got that reveal i'm like oh sick <laughs> Not so, what we expected, but you know okay. what? You know what? In my head, canon, they would have gotten together a little, a little, a little age gap, a little bit. But you know what? It's fine. Uh, um, that's, a, that's a huge age gap. No. <laughs> wait, 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 wait! How big is the age gap? Sorry, I thought Corazon was pretty young. I don't think he was. No? <laughs> I think he was like twenty-eight, twenty-seven in the flashback. Okay, never mind. I thought he was like eighteen or something. My bad. Um, because I thought like you know Law was like eight and he was eighteen or something. So like you know what, ten-year gap that could be like. Hey, listen, we've seen Star Wars, right, with Batman and. <laughs> worst shit has happened before but either way else they can like oh, that's a possibility because again why else would you call him Corazon that's like that's my main reason why I'm like why Corazon 
right? It just it well, seems because like it's that's the heart seat. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'm thinking like there has to be more to it. There has to be a bit more intimacy to it. Whatever, it doesn't I mean, matter. Maybe because he's a loving father figure, Jacob. Does that not count to you? Nah, you know what? Fine, that works too. That's fine. Listen, I'm just saying we need some gay couples in one piece. <laughs> we need some gay lovers in here. So um, that'll be more in part two, though, because Law just brings it up momentarily. So yeah, well, we'll we'll get to more Coruscant next week for sure. Yeah. So. What you like? What you mentioned? First major fight that does resolve in this first half is Frankie versus Senior Pink. Um, Senior Pink has a very weird power: the swim, swim fruit. He can swim in any surface. Um, I think that power was just an excuse so that he can get behind Frankie easily, so he can suplex him over and over again, which is yeah. awesome, by the way. Which Anyone that's totally fine with me, yep, totally fine. <laughs> Listen, anything with suplexes is awesome, by the way. Um. But the main point is it turns into this crazy fight that feels like it belongs in Gur and Lagan because they're comparing, like, their manliness. And I'm thinking, shouldn't Sanji be having a fight like this? But fuck it, he's not here. And the joke, right, of, like, Senior Pink, here's this guy with a bib, binky, diaper, chub, like, he's got the dad bod, it's all hairy, hairy belly sticking out, his hairy legs. But at, and sunglasses. But for some reason, all the women are like like fawning and fainting over him, going, "Oh, he's so great! Oh, he's so manly! Oh, we, we know he, the reason." And he says the worst one-liners too. He just says like some random ass one-liner that's just like nonchalant. And was, "Oh, so great!" But Frankie, being Frankie with his canon hairstyle, which is great, great hairstyle. This is like the uh, best Frankie hairstyle yet. It is and honestly, it is. It. Not not for like not for his default, but it's a great alternate, right? It's like the favorite ultimate. Um he Frankie being Frankie understands this is a fight of willpower. I'm gonna compete this guy with manliness and try and gauge what is this guy about, right? So there's literally a moment where Frankie is like stopping another officer from interfering with the fight. Uh it's like the the big lady, right? And even kisses her mm-hmm. and like like real quick and she goes, What the fuck? What else is going on? It just goes, listen, lady, when there's two men fighting in the in the duking it out, there's only one way it ends with fists flying and hearts breaking or some shit like that. And, yeah. and, and it's like, it's like, snap, Frankie gets it. It's this like, listen, I don't get the moment. I don't get the scenario, but he gets the theme. He gets the the emotion behind it. It's a fight of emo- it's a fight of um willpower of who is truly the manliest of it all and what depends on it. Because you know what's really manly? Wearing that diaper ass outfit. And you're probably innocent listener at home. Why would that be manly? Why would that be manly? Justin, you want to take it away? Why was it manly? Why in, indeed. So you why want me indeed? to do the, the senior pink backstory, basically? See, go ahead and go for it. So I'll, I will try and keep it short since we are getting darn close to two hours already. But Senor Pink, who had his wife named Russian, right? Or Russia. Mm-hmm. Very, very in love. They got married. And they kind of had... He was still kind of secretive about his whole, you know... He's basically yeah, he like in the mafia. Kept that on the low, but... And in the end, that that kind of led to the death of their son in some ways, right? It was a retaliation from his, like, Don Quixote family actions, correct? And, and then the, the wife... the impression that we get. The wife finds out, gets really upset, and... and because he wasn't mad. There. Yeah, he yeah, wasn't there. He, was he lied there about the working at the bank. Yep. And then basically in that, or after that, the wife, Russia just goes completely 
brain dead slash like catatonic because she kind of just loses the will to live after that. She becomes a vegetable. Yeah, I think there was an accident yeah. involved too, but it, it was from as a result of the there, right. She she like when she ran away in the storm, it was an accident that caused her to go catatonic. Mm-hmm. So she becomes a vegetable in bed. It's a right. horrifically like horrible scene. Even though it's like this is literally a bad guy that later ends up wearing a diaper it's like why though what what's the purpose though and you see in the picture and it kind of connects you see the picture of their baby he wears the exact same bonnet and binky and you're like okay i think i'm getting it but then he's desperate to get a reaction out of her i think right and he wears the binky he wears like a, a bonnet and it's almost it's like a last moment of desperation of like a horrible scene that you're watching from the outside going oh he's he's broken himself oh this is so sad but then but it he, works. It works. It cracks a smile. It cracks a smile, and he goes, "I have new purpose." And one by one, he loses the yakuza tuxedo. He loses the slacks. He loses the tie. In comes in the binky. In comes in the diaper. In comes in Senior Pink. And I'm just like so hard boiled so hard boiled so manly so cool and i told you this too uh in text form i think this was oda flexing on a bet that he made at a bar one day with like other manga writers because i bet they're at there i bet you they were having a fight going these trolls these people online and and talking about horrible arcs they don't know how hard it is and then Oda's going like, I haven't gotten that much negative reaction. Maybe you fans are just, you know, maybe something wrong. And then I bet they got really drunk. And they're like, you fuck think you're so high and mad, you piece of shit. I bet you, you couldn't make a guy in a diaper so cool. Oda, he wipes his, you know, wipes his mouth with his hand. And then he looks to that other guy and goes, hold my beer. I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. Give me a hundred chapter. <laughs> Give me a, like a one chapter and I'll get you a backstory because honestly, senior pink is probably more like, um, justified more like of an intimate character than like 80% of Shonen character. <laughs> Actually, I, like no lie. Just this character with like such a ridiculous look with such stupid powers, like diaper bomb. But you know what? It's fine because he can suplex too. That's probably yeah, the, fine. The absurdity of that fight, like nipple lights, diaper bombs. Yeah. <laughs> it is truly fucking hilarious with you how serious it is being taken in and, context. And, and the fight is literally resolved because Senior Pink does his ultimate like Pokemon seismic toss move on Frankie and then just goes, I lost because I didn't. This That didn't knock him down. Therefore, I lost. I surrender. <laughs> and then takes that oh, one man, last we... meaty punch to the face, right? And you're just like, Senior Pink went down like a fucking man. <laughs> like a boss. Like a boss. You know, he and Sanji should hang out. Maybe he can teach him a thing or two about being, you know, how true chivalry <laughs> well, is. What true manliness is to actually appeal to your woman. How what to actually work. So, yeah, as short as that fight was, it's very memorable. Fantastic. Um, one other thing we want to talk about before our conclusion is the second Usopp moment, which also takes place in this little section where Law and Luffy, right? Do you want to go there? Do you want to go there right now? Top. Do you want to do that right now? Because there's also one little bit right before that uh, with Robin. Robin. Oh, and Hakuba? Uh, Robin and Gladius. Um, just real quick, because it it continues what I said about, like, Robin's, like, side-by-side comparison with her character. 
compared to her Water 7 version to now. Mm-hmm. Because, well, by the way, if you're wondering where Bloodborne the Hedgehog came from, it's Gladius, by the way. <laughs> Spiky-haired dude with the, the Bloodborne, like, steampunk aesthetic. That's Bloodborne the Hedgehog for you. But what happens is you have this moment where, again, every character is trying to fight off the officers and give Luffy and Law time to get to the top. At this point, Luffy picks up the key from, uh, picks up the key from Viola. Uh, there's also, real quick, there's a, that moment between Rebecca and Krios. They meet, they reunite, and they fight in the sunflower fields. It's meant to be, like, very cinema, cinematic, very touching. It's the conclusion to their backstory. Um, Kiros has that great moment where he tells his daughter, no longer do you have to fight. I will finish this for us. And you get that great touching moment. Um, And then with Robin, she has that one moment finally where, remember in the past, she wanted to die. She wanted to leave. She didn't want to be there ever again. Right? Full emo, right? Rightfully so, though. She had a horrible backstory. But you have this moment where Gladius is trying to stop them, right? With his pop, pop power. And then she straight up is in between him and her captain. And then she goes, you will not harm him. I will stop you here and now. There's nothing more I want to do than protect my family. That is a great moment for Robin. Absolutely. Because before, she literally goes, I want nothing to do with this. I'm using you guys. I'm not even going to remember your names. But when this is done, I'm just going to be dead at Impel Down or some shit. But, and now, I want to live. Take me to the sea with you. And now here she is, fighting to defend her captain, her family. And she's going to live to tell about it. And there's nothing going to stop her. It's such a great side-by-side comparison. And again, thankfully, because the Straw Hat's splitting up, we get enough attention like this that make it feel impactful. Because we get that earlier moment yeah. back in the factory, and we get this payoff here at the end. That's all. I, that's why I bring up before we want to get to our ultimate favorite moment of this entire yeah, our god part. Our god. Our the moment. god of the arc. With a great little reveal too i'm not too sure about the reveal itself of uh, like within the moment but it, it didn't hurt the moment whatsoever um, i think it, i think it definitely adds to the moment and the feet <laughs> it doesn't hurt it i'll definitely say that because it ties into what i was worried about where i'm hoping as we go on not every single straw hat gets a hockey but it does make sense your sniper gets the observation hockey. I think that's like, so. yeah, that's the give. Right? <laughs> that, that's a give. That's a give. It makes sense. That's why That's why I'm like, I'm mixed. I, I feel like that's, that. it, that's almost, to me, similar to like if Frankie like was in that. If he had been in the fight with Senor Pink and mm-hmm. started using armament hockey, I would not have been upset at all. I don't think. I think I would have been because I would have been like, Frankie, you already have your cyborg body. You don't need harm. You don't need hockey. You I just think like Frankie. thematically it would it wouldn't it would make sense for someone like Frankie to be able to use armament. Yeah. You know? but e- yeah. But either way, the reveal of the observation was masterfully well done because this is when uh, Law and Luffy are like a few steps away from the top against Oflamingo and they run into Sugar again, who is healed thanks to the tears of the uh, the Tontata princess they still have. She's back and revived, and she's, like, pissed. She's gonna turn everyone into toys again. She already turned a couple of uh, prisoners they still had into giant toys they've been chasing along the way. That gruesome scene, by the way, where, like, there was one, like, biting the he- the, head, the horse's head, and you're just like, ooh, that's gruesome. Yeah. 
Um, there was also an earlier moment where they ran into a double of Doflamingo and he shot Moosey. And I'm just like, motherfucker attacking animals? Directly? I know, you piece of shit. I like Moosey, too. Moosey's great. You're, he was already at the top of the shit tier list, man. And he shot an animal intentionally? Oh, oh, you're just, ooh, you're just itching that you need to die. Oh, you need to die so bad. Not, you can't, don't touch our animal bros, bro. He, yo, can you imagine if Crocodile did that to Karoo? Can you imagine oh. the crocodile? <laughs> Don't you no. put that evil on me. <laughs> Don't yeah, you put the, that the, the fury that it invokes within me is unspeakable. <laughs> Don't so. you put that evil on me. <laughs> so we have this moment where Luffy and Law, yeah, are moments away from Doflamingo. Sugar is there. And uh, thanks to Viola, right? Because she can read mine. She can, she can sense that they're there. And Usopp goes, okay, we're being caught up right now by the Don Quixote. Uh, Kixo- How do you say it? Sorry? Uh, I, I say Don Quixote. Don Quixote? Mm-hmm. Uh, Don Quixote. I'll, I'll also say Quixote. <laughs> it's just quicker to say. Um, the Don Quixote pirates, um, when they, they're catching up, right? So there's tension, right? And they understand, okay, we, I need to find a way to knock her out right now because they don't know who she is. All she needs to do is just tap them because she looks like an innocent little girl when she's actually an older lady. All she has to do is tap them, and they lose, right? All this is for nothing. I ate that ghost pepper for nothing. I gotta solve this. So, Usopp, and he literally goes, I can I can be the sniper and support. I did this back in Edie's lobby. Let me do it again. But, it's farther than before, than Edie's lobby. And he has to get a spotter. Viola serves as his spotter, and we have, like, this panel-to-panel moment where he goes, describe it to me. What window are they behind? The one he with has to shoot bars. it through, like, like a hunt, like three hundred meters? No, way more than that, right? Eight hundred? Is it eight hundred meters? I don't remember exactly how far it was, but the way I saw it was definitely like you know, like it when you're watching insanely far. Yeah, yeah. When you're watching like any Hollywood movie with like the intense like sniper scene, there's always a spotter and the main sniper, and it's always like when adjustment, and that's what literally like who's up doing this too, right? When adjustment is this, meter is this, descent is this, and even then, when he finally lines up the shot, right, where he thinks, okay, they're in this window. Wait, I can see the silhouettes. I don't know why, but I can see them now. He sees precisely what he needs to do. He fires that shot right before an, a pirate gets to him, right? To stop him. That, that was he, like the ultimate hypeness for me. Yeah, the tension was real during this Yeah, scene. because like he's kind of there. He's He's been given all these directions, basically, but he's still like not sure. You know, he's thinking, he's like, shit, okay, there's a window there. Then like I think another window. And then yeah. I have to make this go up because it's going to bounce. It's got a rocket like attachment. It's, it's going to shoot off. It's it's so far away. I can't tell. Is, is, is that the third one in the middle? Is it that figure? I really can't tell. And then he gets that unlock, right? Where he literally sees, right. okay, I can and see he's for like, sure. Wait a minute. I can see it. And then just immediately, let's go. He's like, shot. It's yeah. done. Right before he's caught, it's shot. And then he it fires for like me, a fucking... That was... It's so great because it mm-hmm. fires like a great. rocket into space. You have like the first initial launch pad, right? And then it detaches mid-flight to fire the second salvo into this halfway point, right? And then the third one breaks into the window. And it's so tiny. And everyone goes, what is that? And it's... <laughs> Earlier, they rescued Conjuro, and he turns out to be, like, this little artist. He draws a bird, and they slapped Usopp's, like, Junji Ito face on the bird. So, Sugar is traumatized once again, screaming. (laughs) And she's out for the count. Usopp saves the day again. No gods, no kings, only Usopp. (laughs) Holy shit. There's only one god here. 
and his name is Usopp. He's not. He's he, dude. He's beyond that. He he is. That's he, like a, for as far as singular feats in this arc, that has to be like uh, Zoro cutting Pika was dope too, which we did kind of gloss over, but it was fucking awesome. It, it, but it, this it, well, this like we expect like, that from Zoro. Yeah. Right? Also, his we knew his that finale's... was coming like, in some sense. Yeah. Did also not his... see this coming from Usopp. Yeah, also the finale of that fight is in the next part, so we can cover that more in the part two if you want. Okay, um, perfect. Yeah, because he has a great final move, too, let's be honest. Yeah, this, um, these, I mean, this is like, which, this, which do you prefer for sniping moments, this or the Ennis Lobby rooftop? Ennis Lobby had more of the emotional moment, definitely, but this one is like panel by panel. This is Usopp's perspective, right? How hard it is, how tense it is. It's by, it's against the clock. Everything's going against this moment. If he fails, it's all for nothing. Like Eni's Lobby, but we got the perspective change. And it's just as tense, if not better. With also an amazingly comedic payoff at the end of it. And you're just like, yeah, you know what? Usopp has earned that title he's always wanted. The legendary warrior of the sea. After this moment, oh, 100%. He got that. He, he just earned the title of Sniper King, in my opinion, too. Like, come on. He, he uh, has elevated a beyond Soga King at this point. He is... Usopp, the legendary warrior of the sea at this point. He deserves Soge that five hundred Sniper God? <laughs> the new name? Uh, Soge Cthulhu. <laughs> Just beyond. <laughs> old one. He is the old one. He's beyond it at this point. But yeah, Usopp has definitely earned any reputation he's ever wanted after this. He's definitely in Doflamingo's eyes, he is. But after that last minute save, Usopp collapses from exhaustion because he's still injured from before. We get that double panel of Doflamingo waiting on his throne with one officer with him, Law and Usopp. And it's Treble, and we already know that Treble is insane because we saw what he did to Usopp and the Tontata. Yeah, even if that was like quickly done off screen, yeah, the way he handles the Tontata is definitely how just like he is. when he uh like that what was it called Meteora when he put the slime on that huge ship and like flipped it, he's like he's crazy strong. <laughs> definitely, but we got Law there too. So Luffy and Law, yeah, versus... it's two v two. The panel when they're stacked up against each other at the end of seven fifty eight. Mm. And he and Doflamingo is just waiting there. He's just slouching in his throne, just like Buggy back in Orange Town. But Doflamingo is, at this point, again, number one cunt in the fucking universe, just waiting, going, yeah, I shot Moosey. You guys want some, too? <laughs> oh, we're <laughs> in for it, dude. But that concludes uh, yeah. where we're going to stop at 758, part one. That's where we'll stop. What a great first half to this arc. Holy shit. Holy shit, there's so much happening in this arc. I'm impressed we got it under two and a half hours. I'm so, I'm impressed. And, dude, we were all over the place. Like, it's impossible to stay straight going through these notes that I have. Yeah. If we had the pacing we did back at uh, Arlong Park, at that pacing stop we had, it would have been, like, three and a half hours. But we've gotten a little better since then. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. And so, if people wanted to hit you up and talk to you about One Piece and how awesome Dressrosa is, where could they do so? Uh, they can find me at Jacob Marinda on Twitter. That is J-A-C-O-B-M-E-R-E-N-D-A, all lowercase, one word. Uh, once a day, I'm trying to post at least one panel of my read-through of my thoughts when I went through the arc the first time. And so far, feedback's been doing pretty good. You guys have been seeing my results, my my feelings, my thoughts of going through Dress Rosa. Yes. Um, reactions to certain lines that we'll go over more in part two of, like, for example, um, Doflamingo going, that filthy, that dreaded bloodline of the D. And I'm just like, oh, what does this mean? Oh, yeah. oh. 
<laughs> so you'll know my thought process of what we're planning to go ahead. Um, where can they find you, Justin, if they had questions? You can find me at Twitter uh, at Jitsu, J-I-T-S-Z-U. You can hit me up for anything One Piece related, any questions or anything you'd want me to maybe ask on the show, let me know and we could get that on. And if you uh, are listening on iTunes, please re- leave a review, five-star rating. We definitely appreciate the feedback. Even if you're not listening on iTunes, you should go to iTunes <laughs> and leave a review for us. Any review that we helps. read, any any review that we read and take in that's positive gives us more of a dopamine rush than looking at Viola or Rebecca's thighs. It, it gives us even more than that. Just seeing positive feedback, we're just like, oh, so great. <laughs> People are listening and loving. So great. So so please do if you leave in your reviews, it really does help us out as far as getting even more people to come and listen to the show too. So we really appreciate that. And thank you guys for listening and tuning in. Next week we're finishing up Dressrosa, going up to chapter eight hundred and one from seven fifty eight. That's it. See you then. Bye bye. <laughs>